Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. I am sorry to disappoint those of you expecting Richard Zioli. He is not here today or tomorrow. It is I, Michael Pelka, your humble servant, sitting in for my buddy. And I'm glad to be here, honored to be here. And when I tell you I'm really glad to be here, I mean it. This is like the first radio show I've done in two weeks. Why? I had the COVID. I had the Wuhan Red Death. And uh, I had not had it before. So I'm here to tell you, you can survive it, but uh, I'm also here to tell you, it kicks your butt. <laughs> it was not fun. It was not a party. Not that I was expecting a party, but it, uh, it was a difficult uh, last 10 days. And I've tested positive uh, for like three days, then I've tested negative for three days. So I'm clean. I'm clear. I'm, I'm no longer uh, a danger to myself or anyone else, at least in terms of COVID. Henry, have you had the COVID? So I had COVID. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Before you tell me. Okay. I don't mean to violate any HIPAA regulations. No, no. It's <laughs> nothing crazy. Uh, no, I, I had it uh, when I was in college. So, you know, 2020, that was my junior year. They shut down everything, right? Who could forget? Came back that fall. Uh, I think we all kind of decided, like, we're not, you know, not going to let this overrun our lives. Went out and did our thing. Came down with it. I couldn't smell for about a day. And that was it. Those were my only symptoms. How many? Uh, how how long were you without your sense of smell? Twenty four hours, maybe. That's it. Yeah, that's it, and that was my only symptom. Wow, I didn't have a fever. I had a had a brutal sinus infection that became a brutal sore throat that became just inability to sleep, and I slept I think an hour at a time for two days yeah. or so, which makes you really unpleasant. Totally. Oh, it sounds terrible. Yeah, my wife, my, my poor wife, feel bad for my wife. And now she's got it. Oh. So she's having the struggle. But uh, I will tell you, anybody who's got the COVID, the healthier you are, the better you are able to fight it. So another good reason to try and be healthier. And uh, I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm the paragon of health, but I do believe my better health kept me in better stead against the Wuhan Red Death. And I'm hoping now I'll have some sort of uh, immunity to it going forward. 
But uh, no, and the other thing, I spent a bloody fortune on testing. I thought the government was sending us tests all this time. I had to go out and buy tests. I think I've spent almost $200 buying tests. Really? Yeah, the little test kits. You swab your nose and you stick it in the magic water, and then you drip the magic water on the little tab that looks like it's a, yeah. what, like a pregnancy test. Yeah, uh, it, I think I spent 100 between my wife and I, 140 bucks on testing. And I'm 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 done with it. But uh, I thought they'd have those tests like stockpiled somewhere for everyone to use. Oh, they do, but uh, they're making money on yeah, them. All right, they're yeah. making money on that and and Theraflu and Mucinex and whatever the hell else they got on the shelves. But uh, I I am here to say I'm drug free and I'm COVID free at this point in time, and uh, I'm ready to rock and roll and a full plate of, of programming today, including. An update from uh, our buddy Gordon G. Chang about what happened in uh, California with uh, Joe Biden and Xi Jinping. Uh, we'll find out because Gordon keeps an eye on all that stuff. That's in the, uh, the fourth hour of the program. So we will dive into that. Uh, there are also some really bizarro reports that we have to discuss. And I mean bizarro. Uh, one of them deals with Robert Kennedy Jr. and how he walked around an airplane without his shoes and socks the other day. And um, did you see the video on that, Henry? I have not. I saw I saw the headline, but I didn't read into it because I'm like, I don't. Okay. This guy's have you ever Have you ever taken your shoes off on a plane? Yes. Not socks, though, right? Not socks. No. Okay, I used to say, my 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 wife and and previous friends have said don't take your shoes off on a plane, especially mid flight. Your feet will swell, and then when we land, you won't be able to get your shoes on. I'm like, well, I don't wear shoes like a Kardashian. I don't have high heels that I I I shove my feet inside them. I'm usually wearing sneakers or cowboy boots with no lifts. Thank you, uh, and and that's an important story today as well. So I when I saw the video. Of, of Kennedy walking down the aisle of the plane barefoot. My first thought was, Ew, that's nasty. And then, uh, then I heard some of the comments about it. And one of the commentaries came from Leslie Jones of Saturday Night Live that we will have to get to. She's no longer with SNL. But uh, I guess she's doing one of these guest stints on The Daily Show, which they can't find anybody to host it because they can't find anybody to watch it. Kind of in a death spiral, as they say, when it comes to comedy, comedy show ratings. But she made me laugh. So we'll have to talk about that today. And I, I mentioned um, uh, DeSantis and the lifts, you know, the, the cowboy boots with the lifts in them. I think we all agree that if you're going to wear lifts in your shoes... You know, Marco Rubio did it when he was running and he got caught and he kind of owned up to it. But if you're going to do that, own up to it. Just say, yeah, it makes me feel a little better. So what? But he didn't. And now it turns out that um, that Governor DeSantis, candidate DeSantis, well, he may have been faking the funk on something else. And uh, I... Uh, I just got to I got to laugh because I like the guy. I like what he's done for the state of Florida. 
but he keeps shooting himself in the foot with campaign moves like this. He took uh, he took uh, Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, and her her rousing endorsement of him, and he turned it into his his second TV ad in the state of Iowa. And uh, we'll see if you can pick out the problem with this ad. We need someone who puts this country first and not himself. Ron DeSantis is the person that we need leading this country. He is probably the most effective leader that I know. I am so proud to give him my full support and endorsement. I will fight for you. I will win for you. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I approve this message. Well, you also added fake applause to the ad. So there's there's a whole load of audio Bravo Sierra in that ad. He's faking the funk, and you really shouldn't be doing that, Governor. Uh, he's, he's added added for your enjoyment. <laughs> Uh, this is as as realistic as uh, the the laughter they add to the TV shows like uh, what was the one with all the nerds that uh, Mayim Bialik was in and oh the, the Big Bang Theory yeah that they had a laugh track on that show if you've ever watched that show on YouTube without the laugh track it proves my point it it was never funny and they they forced the masses to support it by faking the funk with the fake laughter DeSantis has made, I, I think, a critical mistake here. Uh, and our friend Raheem Kassam over at uh, the National Pulse uh, did a quick comparison of the ad with the original audio, which is worth the price here. Uh, come on, Raheem, give me this here. Let me, let me open this file up. Because you, you may not have noticed from, from the original one there that well, yeah, there's uh, there's some sweetening done there. Now, sweetening's one thing, but if you're adding audio to an ad, especially if you're adding applause where it didn't exist before, then that's a problem. Then you're you're um, you're phony baloney. Here you go. I will fight for you. I will win for you, and I will lead America's revival. I'm Ron DeSantis. I will fight for you. I will win for you, and I will lead America's revival for you. There it is. Almost nobody clapping in the original. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Governor DeSantis, you have some explaining to do. I would have done the Ricky Ricardo impression, but I don't need to get another call from HR today. But I think this is going to be a big stinking deal. DeSantis adds applause. To make himself look better. Maybe the applause makes him look taller. I I don't know. Would you rather him, yeah, be adding applause to his videos or heightening? Well, see, the, the heightening thing. See, I, I love cowboy boots. I spent 13 and a half years of my life in the state of Texas. If if I could live in Texas today, I would. Because it's, it's a place with a lot more freedom and a lot fewer Democrats. And uh, I wore cowboy boots all the time. They're comfortable. You spend money on a good pair. They also have generally a heel. It's not like you have to add it. 
So uh, I wish everybody would just calm down about the cowboy boots, not him stumbling because he doesn't know how to walk in cowboy boots. That's a different thing. Uh, I don't care about the heels, but just own it. I still go back to my statement. When the story first broke about Ron DeSantis having to add a little height to his, his footwear, I thought they'd be smart to sell some like DeSantis sneakers with lifts in them. You know, he sold the, he sold the beach sandals that said freedom over Fauci. And uh, the, those sold very well. So why not sell some some stand-up for Ron footwear with a little extra something in them? Uh, I guess he doesn't have a sense of humor about I, himself. I don't think politicians generally want to self-deprecate at all. Like, they're just averse to it. They will never lean into that. Yeah, but the one who will, I think, will win some hearts and minds. Absolutely. I agree. You know, even Trump, way back in the day, if we go back to the original campaign, didn't he let um, one of the NBC hosts mess with his hair? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> no, there was a there was a whole I trust me on this. I think it was Kim, not Kimmel. I think it was um, uh, Jimmy Fallon on NBC because they were making a big stinking deal. Everyone's going, his hair's fake. It's fake. And and he was on NBC. And I think that he let. I think it was, somebody will tell us, 855-839-1210 is the number, 855-839-1210 is the number of the Zioli Show with Opelka sitting in today. I think he let somebody muss his hair, and that's the last time I think we saw anything about the hair after that, but there was all that discussion, oh, it's fake, it can't be real, and you know, if you touch it, you'll die or you'll melt or something, so uh, somebody will verify that. Boy, oh boy, so so much going on overnight. Um, I know I watched some of the the uh, videotapes of the riot outside the DNC headquarters in D.C. last night, and it was a riot. It was it was people who uh, were claiming to be uh, uh, peaceful protesters who were anything but who were outside the the Democratic National Committee's headquarters, and they were assaulting members of the Capitol Police Force, and six officers had been hurt at that protest. Will all those people who blocked the entrance to the building and assaulted the officers, will all those people have their lives dragged into court? Will they be locked up indefinitely? Because what it looked like, it was an insurrection. And I I think we can also go back to a few days ago in New York City when they went after Grand Central Terminal in New York City, a transportation hub. They blocked the entrance to a transportation hub, would not let New York officers, New York police officers, out of the transportation hub. That is a threat to our national security when you block a transportation hub, just the same way as a week prior to that at the 30th Street Station here in Philadelphia, you had another group of people who who effectively shut down The Amtrak station shut down 30th Street Station. Those are transportation hubs. Those, in my opinion, are insurrection-worthy situations with charges that should have been levied against all those people. They arrested a bunch of people. Nobody got any serious charges. But in the case of yesterday in D.C., you had six members of the Capitol Police Force who have been been injured. And there should be hell to pay. 
there should be if we had a DOJ that was interested in actually prosecuting crime and not going after the Biden crime family's political enemies, there would have been some serious arrests going on. Maybe there will be. Maybe we'll find out. But uh, I'm not so sure. It still feels like there's two sets of justice here. We will um, we'll track that. But I have some audio from that, too, because there was some craziness going on. Can you imagine they had uh, DNC staffers who were hiding in the basement of the building? And you had people outside who proclaimed to be liberals, but they're not. They're, they're crazed leftists who think that they get to do whatever they want. And speaking of crazed leftists who get to do whatever they want, we have to have the discussion today that TikTok has to go. It's got to happen. We have to have the discussion. And today's, today's prima facie case about the elimination of TikTok is based on the story of Osama bin Laden's letter to America. If you have not seen the viral videos about Osama bin Laden's uh, letter to America and the people who are, are posting these stories, um, you, you're not paying attention. And I don't have TikTok, and I won't have TikTok, but I understand how dangerous this is. And I, I want to make sure that, that the uh, bin Laden letter to America story is told. So we'll get to that. Uh, we have, as I said, we've got an update from, from California about what uh, Biden did. And yesterday was a mess. Today, I think they found the right Prevagen and uh, Red Bull mix because he was pretty solid today when he had his little speech in front of the business people. But last night he was a mess, and we'll play you some of the mess. Uh, we also have, um, as I said, Gordon G. Chang is going to join us in the fourth hour of the show today to give us his take on what did and didn't happen, what we got and did not get out of China and this meeting with Joe Biden. I don't think we got much of anything. Uh, we also are rounding the corner on the 60th anniversary of the killing of John Kennedy, President John Kennedy. And um, there is um, a, an author friend of mine who's been on the show before who's going to join us to talk about all of the events marking the 60th anniversary of the assassination of President Kennedy. His name is Gerald Posner. He's going to join us at 5 o'clock and uh, break down some of the stuff that he's learned over the course of the years and updating his book, uh, which is called Case Closed. So we'll get Gerald Posner in here. He's also got an interesting take on uh, what appears to be the latest effort to deny a Holocaust. And that's really what October 7th was in Israel. It was the largest one-day killing massacre of Jews since the Holocaust, and there is a concerted effort in this country underway to deny that it even happened. So we'll talk to Gerald about that. Plus, uh, after my bout with the, uh, with the COVID, with the Wuhan Red Death, we'll, we'll talk with Dr. Michael Roizen about what you should and should be doing to be healthier and stay healthier. And um, if you haven't been paying attention to my conversations with, um, with Lauren Fix, the car coach, about the kill switch in your car. We have to get into that. The government is putting kill switches in cars starting in 2026. Cars that are 
manufactured as 2026 models. And uh, some of the technology is already in some of the other cars. Congressman Thomas Massey tried to block the funding of it last week and got stopped thanks to a bunch of Republicans. And uh, there's still some issues with that. So maybe we can we can have some fun with that as well. Uh, So many things to get to. I didn't even get to the list. Henry sent me an exhausting list here of other stories that are absolutely vital. And we'll have to address them as well. Plus your calls. 855-839-1210 is the number. 855-839-1210. It's Opelka in for Zioli today and tomorrow on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show. On your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It is 3.30 on an absolutely stunning, stunning Thursday, the 16th of November. Can you believe a week from today, we will all be unbuttoning our pants and sitting on the couch going, one more game. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving a week away. It, it seems like it got here too quickly, which means Christmas is right around the corner. It's Mike Opelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show. Thanks for being here. Uh, watching the updates on a story we were talking about earlier with um, the Osama bin Laden letter to America. It sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? It's like, well, how about that? Osama wrote us a letter. And... Uh, this uh, this bit of of propaganda, which has gone viral all over all over uh, the social media platform, uh, is is being used to undermine America. And I say that with without overstating it. A lot of people say oh, you're so upset about TikTok. Yes, I am because it has created a culture of ignorance. It has created a generation of idiots. Not that everybody who's on TikTok is an idiot, but when 32% of people under 30 years old are getting their news from TikTok and how much of that news has limited credibility, 
it is creating a generation of idiots. And in the case of, of this situation, and, and make no mistake about it, TikTok is a partnership between China and Iran and in some ways Russia and North Korea. TikTok is being used to distract. Initially, it was used to distract young people with all. Oh, they're just cute dances. We have the kids doing dances. Yeah, they're doing it. It's a dance off challenge. And then and then they had the other challenges. And now they're sending out what they call information. Let's not forget that uh, the the whole trans madness of Dylan Mulvaney came from TikTok. Did it not? I believe it was a, a, a TikTok influencer, Dylan Mulvaney, paid $185,000 by Bud Light. That, that $185,000 cost them $27 billion in revenue. Stunning. But TikTok has been used, has been used to absolutely pollute the minds of people and distract them from reality, from the truth. And, and that is the goal of what China's up to. Now, you, you've probably heard this before. If you haven't, you haven't been paying attention. In China, TikTok doesn't have any of this stupidity. No, you, you only get stuff that's going to make you smarter. Probably make you a Jeopardy cha- a champion if you, if you use TikTok in China. But here in America, it's all stupid crap. And in the case of this Bin Laden letter to America, it's been used to promote uh, on TikTok. TikTok used and now it's gone viral. Millions of people have have seen all these folks talking about it. And what are they talking about? They're talking about uh, the Bin Laden letter after the attack of September 11th, 2001. The letter that um, that Bin Laden reportedly wrote to tell America why he did it. Why? And here's why, because you've been lied to by your government. Now, remember, this comes from terrorists, people that just killed almost 3,000 fellow Americans here and destroyed the, uh, the standard of our capitalist system, the World Trade Center, went after our Pentagon. I could go on. But these are people, the, the astounding thing to me is, the, listen to the, the women in some of these clips And you start hearing things and you wonder, do you have any idea what your life would be like under Osama bin Laden? Do you have any idea? Can can we talk about how your education would not be permitted? Your little handheld device would not be permitted. You wouldn't be allowed to have an electronic. No, you'd be subject to uh, rape from one of one of your husbands or one of the many people who was trying to breed you. And then uh, let's not forget about the genital mutilation. I promised Henry I wouldn't give the exact description of what happens to women under these animals. I don't think the FCC would like that either. I don't think that's on the list. It ends in ectomy. And it it begins (laughs) in... (laughs) Just the graphicness of which you described it, I'm saying. Yes, uh, just, to, just to let all these women know who are all excited about this, g- getting to read this letter to America from Osama bin Laden, uh, there'd be no more pleasure in your lives. I mean, other than getting a deal on a pair of shoes, which I don't think that would happen either under a uh, Osama bin Laden-led country. But yeah, uh, these people, they, they got all squishy. 
reading the the letter to America. Girl, what? They found the letter. What letter? The letter. What letter? Osama's letter. So I just read a letter to America, and I will never look at life the same. I feel like I'm going through like an existential crisis right now. So this is a really good example of narrative control. Oh yeah, no, this is a really good example of narrative control. This is the left polluting the minds, the malleable minds of the young people who believe that they get their news from Twitter and talking about what Osama bin Laden allegedly reportedly put forth in his letter to America. It's two pages. I've read it. It's now been removed from several websites. I think it should stay up there as a free... Yeah, that's so, that, that. That was weird to me. Like, why take it down now? I get it's going like viral again, but like, why? Why take it? That's down? like putting a sticker on the rap albums. When Tipper Gore said, "Well, we're going to solve all these nasty <laughs> lyrics. We're going to put a sticker on them." It sold more rap albums yeah. than anything else. You made it more cool. So here we are. But TikTok is now saying it's taking down some of these videos. Why now? You are closing the barn door after the horse is out. It doesn't make any damn sense. The real problem is what TikTok is and is doing. And the real problem is that we we initially, under Donald Trump, we said, no, we're not going to have TikTok in this country because it is an arm of the Chinese government. The same way Huawei and the, the major communications that they were selling all over this country to municipalities, which fed all that data, all that video back to China. The way we started banning Huawei, we should have banned TikTok. I don't know how it got unbanned, but it did. And now people are starting to realize, hey, this is a problem. Well, stupidity is a problem. And you're not going to fix it right now by, by blocking it. It's already out there. And I, how many people have now copied it and will paste it if the letter isn't, uh, isn't allowed to be out there? I think the best education is the answer. If we educate people and say, no, 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 here's the problem here. The, the problem here is that uh, this, this guy doesn't have accurate facts. It's just like listening to the people who say, well, Palestine was there and the, the occupiers. No, 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 that's not, how, that's not how this works. That's not what happened on October 7th. There was a ceasefire on October 6th. October 6th. There was a ceasefire. And then Hamas broke it on October 7th. And they don't like what happened afterwards. So we're, we're not going to stop. Just keep your eyes on this story. I, I, I think we're not done trying to deal with how to handle TikTok. Uh, I understand some of you still have it. I think, I think less of you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I just don't understand why you have it. I I don't think the issue is TikTok itself. I think we as a country have a media literacy problem. I don't think I, I think we take like everything we consume on whether it's TV or the radio or, you know, social media, I think we take it all at face value and we don't, you know, think for ourselves a lot of times. I think that's the bigger issue than, you know, uh being, you know, like an app that enables people to, you know, talk about this letter, talk about the Osama letter. I, I don't think that's the issue. I think it's more people not understanding what they're consuming. 
So at the end of the day, if TikTok's ultimate goal is not just to make money, but to destroy America and you're a supporter of TikTok, aren't you ultimately supporting the destruction of America? No, because I, I think it's up to Americans to be media literate. Like you have to be able to decipher what is real. What is what is the message they're trying to get across to you? But if a company is in business with the expressed intent of destroying America, aren't you then supporting the destruction of America? It's a good question. See, kind of hard to argue when it, you. It, boy- it is hard to argue, but I. I think we contribute to our own destruction by just kind of doesn't matter. It, why help? Why help? You know, I go back. This is the, somebody asked me about this and you bring up a good point. And I go back to the Al Jazeera argument. Remember Al Jazeera network. It was a news network that Hillary Clinton promoted. Hillary Clinton was on the campaign trail talking about how Al Jazeera was just such a great news organization. That we needed more American news organizations to be like Al Jazeera. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you had a you had a Qatar-based network again, Qatar, which is where Hamas has most of its executives living at the same time. Qatar allegedly negotiating for the release of hostages. The the majority of them, I believe, are not in good shape. I still believe a major number of the 240 are no longer with us. Even though Hamas keep every couple of days, Hamas goes, we're going to let a few of them go. We're going to let a few of them go. And I, I wish Netanyahu would just say, okay, they're either all gone or you're they're either all released or you're all, all going to be released from life. You're going to go get to your, your 72 virgins, which I think is actually 72 prunes or dates or something. If you do the translation, right. But herein lies the reality is that there are there are entities that are wolves in sheep's clothing that are here in our media world. You know, we talked about how Hollywood has been an indoctrination machine for the last three to four decades. Well, now you have a social media indoctrination machine who at its heart, ByteDance, is a, a Chinese entity. And everything tied to China is tied to the government. There are no private companies in China. The the lab, in, and we'll talk about the lab because it's in the news today, that lab out in California that everybody went, ah, we found kind of a weird little lab out there. Uh, guess who it's tied to? China. The tentacles go all the way back to China. And yeah, they found some pretty weird viruses in some of the mice in that little lab. And oddly enough, nobody's trying to talk about the fact that Xi Jinping is is in California this week where he's got a private lab with connections back to the mothership, which is where the Wuhan Red Death came from that almost killed me last week. I exaggerate to clarify. I know I've gone on a, on a great round-the-world trip here, uh, but the, uh, the situation with TikTok does bother me. I think it is an absolute disaster that we have allowed it to continue this long. And uh, parents whose kids are on TikTok, uh, you, you have no idea. Every, everything on your computer is now in the hands of the Chinese government because it's a backdoor you can't block. Every bit of your information is now in China's hands. Every bit. They might not do anything with it today, but they might sell it on the black market. Uh, it's just not smart. And my grandma used to say, be smart for yourself. 
All right, I have to take a break. I've talked myself into a weird corner here. Uh, we, we have to get to the Robert Kennedy thing. And the Robert Kennedy barefoot on the airplane bathroom. And uh, I, I don't know if you've seen it. I have some audio from it, but I have a, a reaction to it from uh, uh, Leslie, what's her name? From She used to be on SNL, Leslie Jones. And um, she she was on Comedy Central last night. Actually made me laugh. So I want to share it with you. And you're welcome to share any of your thoughts with me. It's Opelka in for Zioli. 855-839-1210 is the number. 855-839-1210 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. It is the Rich Zioli Show on this Thursday November 16th. I cannot get over the fact that we're halfway, more than halfway through November, a week away from Thanksgiving. They had the, uh, (coughs) I'm laughing and going to start coughing again. They had the um, uh, New Year's Eve crap being sold in the aisles at the Acme store today by me. I'm literally walking down the aisle going to get some Pedialyte. Because that's how I'm powering myself in my my post uh, Wuhan red death recovery. I'm I'm drinking a lot of Pedialyte, uh, and and I'm walking down that aisle, and they have the stands up selling. Yeah, there's some Christmas decorations and some Thanksgiving stuff, and then I see New Year's Eve, and I'm like, no, no, it's it's the middle of November for God's sakes. Yeah, uh, I can't stand that. I had this conversation with Matt Rooney on Sunday. I I can't stand. Christmas stuff being advertised in October or even in November, and then you're talking about New Year's stuff on no- in November before Thanksgiving. Oh, oh the Lowe's by me had the um, you could buy a Christmas tree in in the end of August before Labor Day. Oh, you could, you could buy you could buy a pre lit Christmas tree. Anyway, uh, before we uh, before we wrap up this first hour, we're talking about TikTok and the situation with TikTok and this uh, Osama bin Laden letter and. Um, uh, this audience, again, always always makes me feel better because you guys are so smart. St- Steve is in Downingtown, PA. Steve, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? No, hi, hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Yeah, I just you talk about the young people in the TikTok, you know. But, you know, I don't know if you've seen the commercials lately. It's almost like uh, <clears throat> they're uh, <clears throat> pushing TikTok on the elderly now. You have all these senior citizens in these rest homes or in the senior citizen center. You know, they're all on TikTok along with the people that work there that uh, that uh, supervise them. And they're, you know, dancing and doing all this stuff, saying, oh, I'm a TikTok grandmom now. You know, I don't yeah. know if you've seen these commercials. But oh, now yeah, I have. Yeah, I so have. It's, permeating, it's permeating into the elderly as something that will keep you, help to keep you fit because you can do all these cute little dances together with your kids and all this stuff. But just like you said, no one knows, you know, what lies behind TikTok that's waiting for you. You know, yeah, this is this is incredible propaganda. There is a uh, oh, there yeah. is a, muse- a museum in Washington, D.C. that I'm I'm a supporter of a patron of. Uh, and I think uh, I think our dinner is coming up in about two weeks. It's called the Museum of the Victims of Communism. And every year they do one of the most incredible displays of the propaganda artwork that, mm-hmm. that came out of the communist regimes and showed you just how skilled they were 
in in roping in both the young and the old. And you nailed it here, Steve. What TikTok is doing right now, they've got the kids. Now they're trying to get the seniors. Because oh, if yeah. you can get grandma involved, then right. uh, m- mom and dad are going to have a harder time because the grandma is going to say, well, I want to talk to my grandchild. Let's have yeah, a TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, one more, it, one more it's thing, tough. if I could, please. Yeah. Uh, you talked about the Wuhan lab and the Red Death, right? Yeah. Whatever happened at the beginning of the Ukraine war, remember they found these labs, these gain-of-function labs that were in Ukraine. You haven't heard a damn thing about them since. Yeah, they were. We had they they called them uh, dark labs, black laboratories all across right. the yeah. world that that we had been funding, and we've been involved in gain of function research. Steve, the guy to watch on this because I think he's he is somebody that ticks off a lot of people. His name is Thomas Massey. Uh, mm-hmm. He votes he votes pure American ideals on stuff. Uh, he voted against any more aid to Israel, and I'm pro aid to Israel. So. He and I agree on a lot, but we disagree on things as well. But Thomas Massey has been going after the removal of money, American money, to gain a function research. And I think he's mm-hmm. had some success in the last couple of days with some of his uh, some of his proposed bills in the House. So, yeah, you're right. Um, we don't yeah. need to be funding gain of function research anywhere on the planet. Those labs were never talked about again once the beginning of that war started. Then that was the end of it. I haven't heard anything from any talk show host, any newspaper, Newsmax, anything. Nothing. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if a lot of them were shut down quietly <laughs> and just yeah. waiting to be reactivated. We shall see. We shall yeah. see. Thank, thanks, Steve. Good eye on the, uh, the TikTok ads. Uh, paying attention because mm-hmm. the message yeah, is out there. You. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. We're, we're, speaking of ads, uh, I noticed something in the last couple of weeks. Um, the company Peloton, I don't have one of these. I have no financial interest in it. I don't think any of my uh, mutual funds have any holdings in Peloton. But Peloton, you, Henry, you remember Peloton, the, the bike that everybody was riding during the pandemic? Yeah, huge. And you remember the commercials and how hot all the people were in the Peloton ads? Yeah, how could you not? Because, you know, it was like trying to get you to say, oh, well, if I ride the Peloton, that that hot babe or that hot guy, I'm going to be like that. It's going to be me. Yeah, exactly. And uh, apparently they decided to change their appeal to their customers. The next time you watch a Peloton ad, and I guarantee you, you're going to see one on television. (laughs) The people are bigger. And I'm talking a lot bigger. <laughs> there are there are some XLs and some double XLs on the Pelotons uh-huh. now. And I wonder if they if they are trying to appeal to people who are just starting versus people who look like they could do the Tour de France tomorrow. Yeah, that I feel like that's like the next like what logical like progression and who they're selling to, right? Yeah, besides... We got the health fanatics, now let's get, like, the average Joe. Once you've maxed out on the health fanatic market, then you need to get the people who are going to buy the Peloton, and then it's going to become a place where you hang your clothing, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm just saying that that Peloton in the corner of the bedroom or in the corner of the man cave or the home office now has three or four hangers on each side of the handlebars. Yeah, it's the most expensive coat rack in the world. They're very and they're very beautiful too, aren't they? They're Elegant, scores. very. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have a Peloton. I won't have a Peloton, 
But I just noticed that the people are getting to be a little bigger. And maybe the, I'll, maybe they need to have a, a, a connection to the Ozempic folks. Maybe not. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I'm, I'm worried about the Ozempic revolution as well. We'll talk about that. We have so much more to get to. As I said, uh, Dr. Roizen, uh, Lauren Fix wants to talk about something going on in the automotive world. She's out at the uh, L.A. Auto Show out in California. Um, Gerald Posner going to explain uh, what's going on with the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination, plus the attempt to push aside um, the, the Holocaust that happened on October 7th. We'll get into that and your calls as well. 855-839-1210. Opelka in for Zioli on the Zioli Show. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Revolution. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is the Zioli show, but it's not Rich Zioli. It's Michael Pelka in for my buddy Rich Zioli. And what was that stupid accent? I have no idea. Yeah, where did that come from? I, I just, during the break, I was... Full disclosure and completely uh, lost in uh, ADD land. I have a friend who's the president of a small country in in Eastern Europe, in Europe, and um, he's. What do you mean by that? Uh, did I stutter? He's the president of a small country. Okay. There's a country called Lieberland, L-I-B-E-R-L-A-N-D. It's four square miles, and uh, my friend Witjedlicka. Uh, used to be a member of the Czechoslovakian Parliament. You, everyone take notes. This is going to be on the quiz. And uh, Vit noticed that there was four square miles on the Danube River that no one had plotted the land or claimed it. And it, it touches Croatia and, and across the Danube from Serbia. So that gives you an idea of where it is, if your European geography is solid, which it should be. So... Eight years ago, uh, Vit staked the land and filed a claim in the name of the Free Republic of Lieberland. And he did it on the birthday of Thomas Jefferson because he's a huge fan of Jeffersonian uh, democracy. And he then had uh, people start registering for dual citizenship in Lieberland. Eight years ago, I saw this story. And I tracked him down and found his phone listed on a European cell. Don't ask how I got his number, but I called him and we've been friends ever since. And I, in fact, hold a passport. Uh, I hold dual citizenship to the United States of America and the Free Republic of Lieberland. And I have a diplomatic passport as a cultural ambassador to the Free Republic of Lieberland. So. Really? Yes. Yes. Is is. <laughs> Is Lieberland recognized by any of their uh, neighboring countries? Or, Well, um, for a while, Croatia had a very tense relationship with us because they were yeah. like, who are you people? 
And that's four miles of prime beachfront. Yeah, and it is prime beachfront. Well. <laughs> yeah. And so for a while they were stealing all our stuff. Uh, but things have calmed down. I think we have to pay them now. It's like ransom. We uh, pay them like protection money. You know, it's like paying the mob yeah, to well, make sure. Don't want to get dra- invaded. Well, we don't. And, and lately things have been pretty good. But there are, the Liberland has more than 100,000 citizens around the globe. People who applied for citizenship and, you know, you pay an honorarium and you, no one's living there. Right. There's a small group of people living there right now. And uh, a couple of years ago, a billionaire gave us this giant boat that we dock at the uh, right there at the at the sh- shoreline of Lieberland. And so we have a plane and a boat, a couple of boats, and we're starting to do um, all kinds of seminars around the country of how to how to basically build a micro country. So you had no idea that this was behind my madness, did you? No clue. I know. I, I, it's great. I, I mean, kudos to you guys. I mean, it's just that's opportunistic right there. And, and the thing, a guy, he's in his 30s and he decided to start a country. Yeah. It's, if it's, it's right there, it's free. It's like, oh, I might as well. And now uh, we opened the Lieberland Embassy in, in uh, Washington, D.C. this summer. And uh, I was there for it. Uh, we attended together the inauguration of Donald Trump together. There was a Lieberland state dinner the night before the inauguration. So that's where I, they conferred my uh, diplomatic status upon me and gave me my passport. It was a, a black tie event. It was pretty fancy. But yeah, we have an embassy in New York and offices, field offices in many countries around the world now. The Free Republic of Lieberland. My wife's convinced I'm going to get hauled in on some kind of weird charge eventually. But I've never been there. Anyway, it's uh, it's a fascinating idea that you could create your own country based on Jeffersonian diplomacy. And uh, Thomas Jefferson's birthday is obviously the uh, birthday every year of the the Free Republic of Lieberland. So uh, do we sign you up for citizenship, Henry? I, I'd be down. I'll, I'll take some dual citizenship. We'll talk, we'll talk during the break. Yeah, and I'm looking where it's located. I like it. Oh, it's, in a, a, it's a short boat ride from Prague. You fly into Prague, you take a quick boat ride, boom, you're right there right, on the yeah. shores of beautiful Lieberland. Hmm. <laughs> and the, the age group is more your, your type, more, more than mine. Oh, cool. Anyway, it's Michael Pelka in for Zioli today and tomorrow. Uh, I don't know how we got off into that abyss, but we did. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I I explained earlier that uh, the last 10 days have been kind of a COVID adventure for me. The Wuhan Red Death tried to get me and failed. You won't get me, Wuhan Red Death. And uh, Patrick in North Carolina apparently has a question about my COVID adventure. Patrick, welcome to the Zioli Show. What's up? Yeah, I uh, heard that you had gotten COVID and you had it pretty bad, and uh, you lost your uh, your uh, sense of taste or smell. Uh, I lost my smell and taste for a couple of days, but you know, um, in talking to doctors, um, when you get a really bad cold, you lose your sense of smell and taste. I didn't lose it, you know, like permanent. I wasn't tasting like metal. I just had diminished smell and taste. But yeah, I was, I'm going to, I'm not going to kid you, Patrick. I was worried. Okay. Well, listen, um, I, I was just calling to, uh, to have you check out Dr. Peter McCullough. 
Oh, yeah. He's a big um, famous guy. All right. Well, Peter um, has uh, referenced uh, one of the studies that was done that um, um, were people that had got COVID. None of them lost their taste or smell if they did the nasal hygiene, the nasal flush and gargling. Well, I do um, I do a rinse of the nose uh, a couple times a day with that mild salt water. Yeah. No, no, you, you got to use something else that'll kill the virus. The salt water won't do it. So he's he's recommending um, like the Provodon iodine, dilute it down very very low. But the the study that was was that with the, the nasal flush with the propodyne iodine that uh, nobody lost their sense of smell or taste. And he's also he's also stating that you know for any type of virus, for the flu or for the cold. It's a good thing to do because the virus will grow in your throat and your nose, and it um, and you, you can uh, knock the viral load down substantially by doing the nasal flush with something that kills the virus. Well, I will I will do a little homework on that, Patrick. I appreciate. It. I'm familiar with Dr. McCulloch. I've uh, I've watched many of his lectures as well, so I appreciate you looking out for me. Thank you. It's uh, it's very kind. Very kind. Boy, oh boy, I, this audience, everybody's in. I, I love that we take care of each other. It's, uh, it's, it's what it's supposed to be about. It's a community. It's actually a real community. Um, I, I mentioned the Senator, um, not Senator Kennedy, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., the guy who thinks he's going to have an independent campaign against Joe Biden or Donald Trump. And we'll get into that because I have to play you some of the some of the audio that follows up Kennedy coming out of the bathroom. I also wish the um, young lady who got upset with me for calling out Ron DeSantis last hour for adding uh, fake applause to his campaign commercial. Um, I'm going to tell the truth about everybody's ads. If Donald Trump does that, I'm going to call him out for it, too. I'm going to call it Nikki Haley if she says dumb stuff, which, by the way, Nikki Haley did say some pretty dumb stuff that may have killed any chance she has when she said that her first day she wants everyone's name on social media. There can be no more anonymity. I'm sorry, but the the papers, the papers that were meant to rile up the people ahead of the American Revolution had to be written anonymously. And so there is a history of anonymous, brilliant writings helping to found this country. So, Nikki Haley, you blew it on that one. And so, ma'am, if you disagree with me, call and tell me. But if if uh, Governor DeSantis is putting out ads and he's faking the funk with uh, with the advertising, then that's not going to hold up with me. It's just not going to hold up with me. And if you missed it, uh, I should play it again. I should. He Governor DeSantis put out his second ad, which has him speaking, has Kim Reynolds speaking, the governor of Iowa. I happen to think she's a great governor, by the way. Uh, And and there is extra applause added when in reality, the actual moment when DeSantis was speaking, uh, there was hardly any applause. So you can't do that. You just can't do it. We're not going to let it uh, go for our guy. We're not going to let it go for their guy. We're just not going to let it go. The truth has to be held up. 
on every level, in every spot. And uh, while we're doing cleanup here on the uh, audience and the vast unpaid resource department that is the audience, that's what we call uh, those of you who contribute, the vast and unpaid resource department, have to thank uh, Susie Cool, who wrote in and said, uh, you were talking earlier about uh, uh, Donald Trump having his hair messed with. It was Jimmy Fallon. Donald Trump allowed Jimmy Fallon to muss his hair on TV. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, a, the candidate who can be very relaxed in their own skin is the one who's going to win the real vote. And that's going to be very important. Joe Biden tries to play that card. Joe Biden tries to play that he's just, you know, Scranton Joe. But now we know the guy with the $2.74 million paid in cash mansion, the biggest one on the beach in the state of Delaware. Uh, he's anything but Scranton Joe. He, he's, he's, the, uh, he's one of the richest guys ever to come out of the Senate and then become president. And God knows what else is going to happen there. Uh, so many other stories we have to look at. It uh, looks like there was a verdict in the uh, attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband. By the guy with the hammer, he faces 50 years. Uh, we, we still didn't get the whole story there, did we? I, I know they're telling us that this guy came in and he was looking for Nancy. I, it still feels like there was just a portion, just a portion of the truth that uh, we got shortchanged on. So maybe we'll eventually get that one day. Maybe. Uh, I also noticed... Um, that uh, as as our United States military is trying to add to its recruitment, having a hard time drawing people to volunteer for our military, there is a new poster out that talks about what you can get if you decide to become a member of the of the U.S. Army. Not just all the great training, not just the opportunity to serve your country. But uh, you will get up to a $50,000 enlistment bonus. Think about that. $50,000 enlistment bonus. They have careers in 150 different kinds of fields. Medical and flight crew, military police, mechanics, welding. That, you know, once you leave the military, those skills will, will do, suit you for the rest of your life. 100% college tuition. You can do a two, three, four, five, or six-year enlistment option and of course the the benefits the bonuses increase with the longer time you commit to you uh, you start out at about two two grand to 2300 a month when you start and if you've got college you get I think 35 to 3600 dollars a month starting pay so it's a pretty good career to serve in the US Army oh and at the very top now, at the very tippy top of the recruitment poster, it says COVID vaccine not required. How about that? How about that? How many people were forced out of positions in our military because they didn't want to get the COVID vaccine? How many people were forced out? I hope they're getting restitution. I hope they're getting either reinstatement and or restitution. But for that to be at the very top of the recruiting poster is a slap to the men and women who were forced out because they didn't want to take an experimental vaccine. And this is from someone who took it and regrets taking it ever since. 
So I hope someone is helping these people. I don't know if they're going to have many options. Just one of those, one of those crazy stories. Uh, we need to talk about some of the idiots out there because there are many woke idiots out there. We talked a little bit about the people on the TikTok uh, who are now freaking out about the Osama bin Laden letter to America. Stop it, you idiots. Uh, you, you live like you were under a rock if bin Laden was ruling your world, especially you women. Uh, you, don't be stupid. But uh, we now have some woke idiots like Pink. I think I think Pink. Still credits Philadelphia, doesn't she? Henry, do you do you have verification on yeah, that? Yeah, she's she's from around here. She calls herself a Philly girl. She's well, from, uh, um, Doylestown, I think. Okay, okay, fine. People in Doylestown, but uh, not this one. Um, she now has put out a list of the banned books that she's going to be giving away in Florida when she's on tour. So she's going to be on tour, and she said, "I've got some banned books that I'm going to give away because I'm doing four concert stops in Florida." Uh, the problem is they're not banned. She wanted to hand out 2,000 banned books, and uh, she thought, you know, uh, I, I, I'm going to get one leg up on these people, saying, books have held a special joy for me from the time I was a child, and that's why I'm unwilling to stand by and watch while books are banned by schools. Well, no, no, they're not. They're just restricted by age, kind of the same way we restrict movies by age for content. She uh, vowed to distribute books and uh, and and she has said that uh, she wants to make sure and she put this in a tweet. The following are some of the titles of books that have been banned from schools in Florida. Let me know which book is pornography. To Kill a Mockingbird. The Hate You Give. Forrest Gump. A Catcher in the Rye. The Hill We Climb. Girls Who Code. Atlas Shrugged. 1984. The Kite Runner. Uh, now, that list has been proven to be incorrect. The books are not banned not banned at all. As a matter of fact, uh, at least To Kill a Mockingbird and Diary of Anne Frank are on the required reading list in Florida. I love it when they step in it, don't you? I do. It is called schadenfreude. The feeling of joy when people do stupid things like that and it's in public. So, Pink, just play the damn music. And, and we'll appreciate the music and we'll dance to your music. And don't try and give us a lecture. Uh, before I take a break here, I see uh, these phones are lighting up today. And you're all welcome. 855-839-1210 is the number on the Zioli Show. Kevin's in Bucks County. Hello, Kevin. Welcome to the Hello, program. Mr. Stuntbrain. Hello. Um, I sent you a tweet. Did you know that there's actually a self-governing country within America? There is a, a to- now you got to yeah, you got to back called- off the phone a little bit. You're blowing it out a little okay. bit. I can hardly understand you. Sorry, is this better? Yeah, much better. Okay, uh, self-governing country. It was founded in 1979 by a 14 year old boy who was grounded to his bedroom. It's called Tolosa T T A L O S S A, and it's an actual country. I of which am a citizen. Uh, it's pretty cool. They have their own ID cards and everything. Really? Toulouse? Yes. yes. And what yes, state... The language is, is similar to Finnish. What state surrounds Toulouse? <laughs> not, even, not even state. It's within, I believe, Madison, Wisconsin. Well, now that makes sense because Madison, Wisconsin is the birthplace of progressivism. 
Well, the kid was 14 years old. He was grounded in 1979. And he said, you know what? I'm going to start my own country. Has has uh, Toulouse got a flag and an anthem? And, everything. Uh, it ministers. I mean, everything. You got to check it out. It's It's really cool. And it takes like five minutes to sign up to become a citizen. Well, I don't know if I could if they'd let me stay in Tulsa, but I know I could stay in Lieberland. And I, if I go to the yeah. embassy in D.C., I, I'm welcome there. So I'm pretty, pretty right. happy about that. And, and unless we also not forget that uh, Greg Stocker sucks dot com. Yes, of course. Greg dot com. <laughs> I think. Uh, are you the one who opens up every morning on the YouTube channel yeah. by putting that yeah, in, the, in the chat? I own it. I own that one. I own Nancy Pelosi sucks. Hunter Biden sucks. John Fetterman sucks. Uh, Anthony Fauci sucks. Yeah. So always looking for some donations, you know, to keep them going. But, yeah, I own all of them. And it's nice because they get redirected to nothing evil. So, for example, Hunter Biden takes you to the Godfather 2 audio clip of Fredo going, I'm smart, I'm smart, you know, very innocent. See, Kevin, um, this is this is someone I have to salute you because there's no maliciousness in your mischievousness. It is just right. uh, you're trying to point out something that's obvious that, you know, uh, Hunter Biden sucks, etc. And when you when you click on the link, you're taken to an area that gives you a smile. And I think that's yes. important. For example, the uh, Anthony Fauci sucks takes you to um the most recent uh smirconish interview where he's grilling him and saying so you're saying max don't work right you know just real just educational very good i love this audience you guys are so smart now i have to look up Tulsa and and yes. see if i, I sent it to I, you in a tweet so well you put yeah. it to me you sent me a tweet on it yep i'm not i'm not seeing it you did to uh at stunt brain or michael pelka yeah, stump brain. A few um, about uh, ten minutes ago, maybe fifteen minutes ago. All right, I, I shall take a look. I shall take right. a look. And uh, have you ever been in an airplane bathroom barefoot? No, I know, and I'm, I'm not even on a private plane. When I've fr- flown pl- private, I wouldn't even walk in a private plane bathroom barefoot. We have to get into this because this Robert Kennedy story is creeping me out. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate all of your efforts on behalf of all the sucky websites that you have created. Uh, Thank you for the laughs. There he goes. Uh, Michael Pelka, my name. When we get back, Robert Kennedy and the barefoot airplane bathroom if you're getting ready to eat something, just put it down and come back. We'll we'll dive into this on a deep dive and have a little fun. It is the Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It is a Thursday and what a spectacular day it was here in the Northeast. Mike Opelka in for Rich Zioli on the Zioli Show. It was a stunning day, and I couldn't go out and play golf today because I had to be here with you, and, and I'm glad I'm here with you. 
but I would have liked to have played golf. Nick Kale and I are two and two. We've had a match going on all summer long, and he's going to kind of uh, close down his golf shop as soon as the weather gets below 50. He's not exactly a hey, – well, he's, he's a little thin-skinned, I think. He can't, he can't be out there when it's cool. Where I'll play as long as it's not freezing. But uh, we are two and two in the Odyssey Cup. Dom presided over one match. We're trying to sneeze, squeeze in one more round of golf. But uh, I've been in sick bay for 10 days, so I don't know if, uh, if I'm up for it, but I'd be willing to take a shot. I'd be willing to, to make a run yeah. at it. Forget all those the, the matches with uh, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers playing golf against each other. No, we need, we need you two on TV. And, it, and it's good fun. There's a yeah. lot of trash talking. Trust me. Yeah, I think it'd be good. And there might even be a little bourbon involved. Of course. I'm just saying. It's, go- it's golfing in the fall. What are you yeah. supposed to do? Now, we do have leaf rule because there's so many leaves that have fallen already. If you hit your ball just off the fairway, it could get lost in leaves. So if everybody agrees, there's no penalty. You just get to replace where you anticipated the ball was because you got to keep the speed of play going. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a polite game. All right, we were talking about this. I've been talking about this since 3 o'clock today. I have to get into it. Uh, I don't think Rich mentioned this. Robert Kennedy Jr., uh, independent presidential candidate, Robert Kennedy Jr., caught on a uh, plane, shoeless and sockless, coming out of a, a, a plane bathroom. Here was the report. A recent photo on a flight is sparking an age-old debate. Is it ever okay to remove your shoes on a plane? Passengers snapped this photo of presidential hopeful Robert Kennedy Jr. with no shoes and, key point here, no socks. Kennedy was actually coming back from the bathroom with no shoes. No shoes, no socks. Out of a, And this was not a private jet. This was a commercial plane. If you look at it, it looks like probably a one of those smaller planes that has about a, an eight to ten seat first class section, not not a gigantic seven thirty seven or anything like that or an Airbus three hundred whatever they are. It's a smaller plane, but still. So he came out of that bathroom up by the cockpit, and he's got long pants on, but he's got no shoes. And no socks just came out of that plain bathroom. Ugh. I'm sorry. That's nasty. That's disgusting. And and the funniest thing for me was, it's obviously nasty and disgusting. They covered this on The Daily Show. I know what you're saying right now. Who watches The Daily Show? I just happened to stumble into it. <laughs> it was not intentional. And Leslie Jones, who used to be on SNL, uh, comedian Leslie Jones, a little bit of a uh, unleashed comedian. I love the fact that she just is always uh, at. She's not at ten; she's at eleven or twelve every time. Her volume knob goes right past ten and goes right to eleven or twelve. Leslie Jones watched that report and then responded with the following: He went to the plane bathroom barefoot. This is the most disturbing video I have ever seen of a Kennedy, and that includes the one where a guy's head explodes. I'm sorry, that's funny. That's funny. That's pretty darn funny. She went to the extreme of the extremes 
This is the most disturbing video of a Kennedy I've ever seen, including the one where the guy's head explodes. But wait, there's more. Like, how are you the worst Kennedy? Your uncle killed a lady by driving off a bridge! But this- She went there, too. She went to Teddy. In, in 23 seconds, Leslie Jones made me laugh more than the five years she was on SNL. I mean, that's, that's just flat-out funny. But she's not done yet. But then I see your nasty feet. And I wish I was in that car. Now, that's good comedy writing right there. She could set up the joke about, about the car going off the bridge driven by her uncle that killed a woman, bring it back to the feet, and then say she wishes she were in that car. But she's not done yet. The only reason you should come out of a plain bathroom barefoot is if you got robbed in there by someone who only needs socks and shoes. <laughs> and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't even believe in vaccines. How far have the Kennedys fallen? JFK was raw dogging Marilyn Monroe, but the only thing this Kennedy is raw dogging is tetanus. I know it's out there in the edge, Henry. I know you probably haven't had a whole lot of segments, including the term raw dogging. But yeah, I don't know how to. I don't know where to land on that term. Um, I well, guess it's okay. Uh, of course it is. It's not on the list. Oh yeah, I'm sure on TV. All right, I guess it's fine. Sure it is, but that is some good comedy right there oh, from 100%. Leslie Jones. Yeah, I like that a lot. She, she delivered. How are you the worst Kennedy when your uncle drove a car off a bridge and killed a woman? I'm sorry. That's really entertaining stuff. Well done, Leslie Jones. Very well done. Uh, <laughs> I'm still laughing at that. Uh, it's excellent stuff. Uh, I, I also promised you some of the stuff from uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. out in California. Uh, Joe Biden uh, was uh, speaking at APEC, this uh, Asian Pacific conference, and Xi Jinping was there. And uh, there were there were a couple of events going on and there were some uh, typical Biden moments. And then it felt like, as I said earlier, it felt like Joe had been given the correct mixture, the correct combination of Red Bull and um, and Prevagen, that he was actually sounding pretty good. So when you go to last night versus today, it seems like there there's a, a little bit of a difference going on. And uh, last night, Biden actually may have said the quiet part out loud when he was talking about uh, the host of this event, Governor Gavin Newsom. I want to talk about Governor Newsom. I want to thank him. He's been one hell of a governor, man. Yeah, he's been so good. California's going to lose five House seats in the next redistricting. They're going to lose five House seats. That's how good of a governor he's been. But continue, Joey. Matter of fact, he could do anything you want. He could have the job I'm looking for. He could, he could have anything he wants. He could be anything he wants. He can have the job I'm looking for. Wait, did what did you just did you just say that? 
Hmm. He was also uh, slurring a little bit last night. Uh, didn't mention Wuhan. Didn't mention uh, the spy balloon. Uh, didn't talk about human rights abuses. Didn't talk about spying on Americans. Uh, yeah. And as I always do, I raised areas where the United States has concerns about the PRC's actions, including detained and, ex- and, uh, and, and exit banned U.S. citizens, human rights and corrective uh, coercive activities in the South China Sea. My, what is he even talking about? He's reading off a teleprompter. It kind of just flows off his tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, didn't bring up Wuhan, didn't bring up the spy balloon, didn't bring up the human trafficking, human rights abuses, the Uyghurs. We discussed all three of those things. I yeah. gave them names of individuals we think are being held, and hopefully we can get them released as well. No agreement on that. No agreement on that. I also stressed the importance of peace and stability in the Taiwan Straits. It's clear that we object to Beijing's non-market economic practices and disadvantage that that disadvantage American businesses and workers, and that we'll continue to address them. And I named what I thought a number of those were. You don't want to share any of those with us, do you? Do you? Hmm. Joe Biden did address Israel yesterday briefly. Briefly, talking about a um, humanitarian pause. Interesting. In Gaza has killed more than 11,000 Palestinians just over a month and created a humanitarian disaster. Israeli officials have said this work months or even years. Have you communicated to Prime Minister Netanyahu any sort of deadline or time frame for how long you are willing to support Israel in this operation? Are you comfortable with the operation going on indefinitely? And is there any deal underway to free us? Thank you. Yes, no, working backwards, forward. Look, I have uh, been deeply involved in moving on the uh, hostage negotiation. Um, And uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself here because I don't know what's happened in the last four hours. But You don't know what's happened in the last four years. You know, the reality here is there are more than 30 Americans who are being held hostage. And... This is really the first time he's even used the word hostage in the past several days. Where is the focus on Americans? We've had we've had Americans killed and we've had Americans now currently being held hostage. Don't want to get ahead of yourself. It was embarrassing to watch him up there, too, because, uh, again, he was he was handed the list. Uh, Now I'd like to be able to take some questions. And I'm told that Dimitri of the Financial Times has the first question. Uh, yeah, I got a list. Uh, my press conference here. Dimitri at Financial Times. Uh, next question. Sorry. Uh, Dimitri. No, no. Okay. Next question. Sorry. Uh, I'm embarrassed. I think it's CBS, but I can't remember who is CBS. I'm sorry. Uh, so you can't remember who's at CBS is supposed to be called on. Does no? Did they take the names off the list at this point? Huh. Uh, he abruptly ended the press conference and then you know shouted at the press and mumbled a few things and shuffled away at the end there. Who 
look at how Morales. Can you detail for us what kind of evidence the U.S. has seen uh, that Hamas has a command center under Al Shifa Hospital? No, I can't tell you. I won't tell you. So somebody asked him a question about the hospital. The interesting thing is he started walking away and all of the press was shouting at him. And Joe stopped because he wants to please, ultimately wants to please. And he stopped and turned and someone asked him a question about the hospital. The hospital that we now know because what was found inside the hospital was caches of weapons, command centers that Hamas had been using this hospital as a command center, as a human shield setup. And Biden said, I can't tell you. I won't tell you. His uh, his best advice would have been to have kept walking for him to stop was the biggest mistake he made. And this was obviously the problem. Uh, Anthony Blinken was just kind of shaking his head, too. Uh, Biden was asked if he if he still thinks uh, uh, Xi Jinping is a dictator. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term uh, that we used earlier this year. Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he, he is a guy who runs a country that is a communist country that based on a former government totally different than ours. So Biden says, well, look, he is. And the camera cuts right then in the press conference to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who is shaking his head like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to have to explain this one. (laughs) And today, China has already rejected that statement uh, about 11 ways to Thursday. In uh, in less than two hours, we're going to talk with Gordon Chang about this Gordon G. Chang on Twitter, uh, about his take on what happened and what we got out of this. You know, the big news, a lot of people, again, we get, we get these, uh, these gifts from China. Xi Jinping said, oh, we're going to deliver some pandas back to the United States. And everybody clapped. Went, oh, yes, we'll get pandas. They took the giant pandas away from the D.C. Zoo last week. The giant pandas are fun. They're cool to see. China has a, uh, an exclusive market on them. They loaned them to us for 10 years. And now they're going to send some out to the San Diego Zoo, I believe. But that's really not the the expectation of results that we had out of our leaders here. If you would have asked me last week, what would you like to achieve with a meeting with Xi Jinping? I would have gotten an apology for the balloon. I'd like to know uh, what, what are you doing about preventing another pandemic from breaking out of one of your labs and gain of function research? I don't give a rat's butt about more pandas. But Joey was all excited and he wanted to tell uh, a story about how happy he was with Xi Jinping and feeling like he's going home in San Francisco. You know, I uh, digress just a second. I was with Xi Jinping today and uh, and I showed him a photograph that he's extremely proud of when he was a young man. I think he was 32, maybe 28, 30 years old in that range. And he was, hey, how you doing, man? He was actually standing on the Golden Gate Bridge. He had come to visit. Now, just a second there. Biden is trying to tell this story. He's on stage at the APEC event. He's trying to tell a story about Xi Jinping and a photo of, of Xi on the Golden Gate Bridge. But in the middle of the story, he looks off to the side 
and sees somebody he recognizes and suddenly goes, hey, how you doing, man? It's like a squirrel suddenly walked across the stage. Maybe 28, 30 years old in that range. And he was, hey, how you doing, man? He was actually standing. What, did somebody have ice cream? Was there somebody holding an ice cream cone on the side? Joey, finish this, finish the story and come off stage. You can have ice cream. Golden Gate Bridge. He had come to visit. And he said, and I looked at the picture. I said, I want to show you a picture. He said, I like that picture. I like to play it. Well, he was translated to say, I like that picture. So he's been coming here. And uh, one of the things I pointed out to him is that you have one of the largest Chinese populations in America here. And uh, he was, uh, he feels like he's going home here. Yeah, he feels like he's going home here because he wants this to be his home. He wants to take over. Uh, Joe went off script uh, as well during this visit and uh, talking about fentanyl because that was one of the key issues that was apparently supposed to be discussed and how China's shipping of the ingredients to make fentanyl into Mexico and then being trafficked across our southern border has killed hundreds of thousands of Americans. And it's not slowing down. Uh, Joe didn't talk about that part, about slowing down the fentanyl being trafficked. But he did have a story about uh, some people who had children who died because of fentanyl. Uh, you know, uh, we're in a situation where we agreed that uh, fentanyl and its, precur- its precursors will be curbed substantially and the pill presses. That's a big that's a big movement. They're doing that. Uh, and by the way, uh, you know, I, I won't I guess I shouldn't identify where it occurred. But John, I know uh, two people near where I live. Their kids literally, as that strange, they woke up dead. I'm sorry? They woke up dead. Uh, Joe starts by saying, I'm not going to say where this happened, but it's near where I live. So that kind of narrows it down to Wilmington, Delaware. Well, I mean, he's also from Scranton and, you know, where else is he from? Well, he doesn't live in Scranton anymore. He said, I know two people near where I live. Their kids literally, I, I got to hear this again. You could also, yeah, you know, I, I won't, I guess I shouldn't identify where it occurred, but John, I know uh, two people near where I live. Their kids literally, as I said, uh, strange, they woke up dead. Someone had inserted in, whether he, the young man did or not, inserted in uh, uh, a drug he was taking, fentanyl. Again, I, I don't. I hope you don't have any experience with knowing anyone, but this is the largest killer. People in that age category. And and what have we done? You gave a stern talking to to Xi Jinping. Yeah, we discussed fentanyl. You didn't say cut it out. You didn't say stop it. You didn't even decide to impose some sanctions, which might have been good, but we didn't. We didn't. All right, I have to take a break. There's so much going on. We so much more to get to. Plus, as I said, Gorn Chang in about an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, Gerald Posner just around the corner. We're going to talk about the 60th anniversary of the assassination of JFK and this, um, this second attempt to deny a Holocaust from happening. That's really what's behind all of this, this pressure to deny what happened on October 7th. And uh, I will tell you, it seems like some of 
Some of the PR pressure is working, not just here, but around the world, and it concerns me. It's Opelka Infrazioli. Join the conversation, 855-839-1210 is the number, 855-839-1210 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. It is 4.53 on a Thursday. Michael Pelkin for Rizzioli today and tomorrow. Thanks for being here. We know you have choices. I'm honored to be here. Uh, we are uh, trying to get to everything today, and there's a lot going on. And I, I meant to play this a whole lot earlier, but I need to get to it. Uh, in terms of the 2024 election, you heard um, Joe Biden say earlier that uh, he, Gavin Newsom could have whatever job he's running for. Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll see that happen. I, I do believe that's a strong possibility. Uh, Robert Kennedy, uh, with his barefoot in the bathroom on the plane. I, I don't know how much Kennedy's run really will have an effect unless he picks a, an effective running mate. And I think if he were to pick Tulsi Gabbard, he'd be a problem for both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I think that combination eats at those independents in the very center, in the very, very center and center left. I think that's a big thing. And then we start looking at uh, who's left on the GOP side. Uh, Ron DeSantis made a mistake with his campaign, made a mistake putting the extra applause in on his new campaign ad. That was a bonehead move. Uh, I think Chris Christie's just about done I think anger only takes you so far. Vivek has been a stalking horse and been doing some pretty good work to support Donald Trump out there. And I also think trying to bring some young people into um, the GOP. But I don't think Vivek has a snowball's chance in hell of becoming the nominee. And I don't even think he'd be the right vice presidential candidate. I think he'd be a good cabinet person. Hell, I think he'd be a good press person. Not that he would ever want that. But um, he was on CNN yesterday, and he's been, been very brave and bold in going into CNN. And he sat with Abby Phillip and uh, put up with about, uh, well, about three minutes more of nonsense than I would have put up. And it was all about trying to paint Donald Trump in a bad light because Donald Trump used the word vermin. And at one point in his life, uh, Hitler used the word vermin, too. So you know what the left did? They pounced and they tried to. Oh, well, see, he's like he's just like he's just like Hitler there with the vermin thing, and uh, that's when this fun happened on CNN. That language, they live like vermin. Do you believe that that is, as your uh, Republican colleague Chris Christie has said, neo-Nazi rhetoric? This is a classic mainstream media move. Pick some individual phrase of Donald Trump. Focus on literally that word without actually interrogating the substance of what's at issue. The word I was chosen for a reason. We are in the middle reason. of a cultural war in this country. The well, word you was know chosen what? It, it, for it's a reason. actually describing a series of behaviors. You have Antifa and other related groups that have been burning down cities for the last three years in this country. Would you describe them as vermin? violating the rule of law. We have an invasion on our southern border. We have millions of people crossing our southern border. Let's talk about the substance okay. of why we have to recognize would, that we're not in ordinary you, times. Would you so use that language yourself? the vocabulary of the vermin or not is not what's important. 
Well, I haven't used that language. So, so you can look you? at my, my track record on the campaign trail. I talk about the issues. We all talk about them differently. But what I'm not going to do is play some game of focusing on some word that somebody else said without ignoring entirely the substance of what we're actually talking about, a border crisis of historic proportion. Economic stagnation we haven't seen in 50 years, a national identity crisis and the loss of national pride in the next generation that's potentially existential for this country. Let's talk about our dependence on China. Today we're actually talking about Xi Jinping, picking on Donald Trump's word vermin to talk about that status quo. You know what's vermin? What's running around San Francisco on a given day before Gavin Newsom cleaned it up on a dime to roll out the red carpet for Xi Jinping? If he could do that for Xi Jinping, he could have done it on an ordinary day, and yet we're here sitting talking not about the substance of that, but on one word that Donald Trump said in some speech in Miami, this is what's wrong with the mainstream media. He's absolutely right, and it was very well said. And I really think that the GOP would be wise to keep him close. I know Ronald McDaniel doesn't want to have him around because he dared to call her out for her failures, but he gets it. He gets it at the core. Maybe a little too unvarnished for some in the GOP. Not for me. I'm all for the unvarnished. Keep flipping the script, Vivek. Keep flipping the script. All right, seven aside, it's halftime on the Zioli Show. When we get back, Gerald Posner is going to talk about the 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination. Have we learned anything new? And uh, his latest on a, uh, a strange effort to deny yet another Holocaust. It's Opelka in Verzioli on The Zioli Show. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Revolution will... Broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. It is three minutes after 5 o'clock on a Thursday. Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli today and tomorrow. Thank you for being here. It is, uh, every day is important as we get closer and closer to the 2024 election and I'm sitting there I'm still stunned we're a week away from Thanksgiving and that went fast so the next year is going to be like lightning fast as we prepare for the big election yes a full house election a third of the senate will be up and things are getting interesting in the house there was news today that it looks like that whack job George Santos the Republican from Long Island, he's going to be stepping down. And I, I frankly am surprised he lasted this long after all the stories that came out. And I have to have, uh, have moments with the GOP leadership saying, how in the hell did this guy ever become the candidate for that seat? How in the hell did nobody look into all the claims he made? Or do you just accept that the guy who walks into the RNC headquarters and says, hey, I'm a gay Republican Latino. Please support me. And nobody checks his background. What a mistake. So we're probably going to lose that seat unless you can pull a miracle off on Long Island. But uh, watch for him to uh, take a hike maybe before the end of this month. And we already have a very slim majority 
in the house. It's craziness what's going on. But it's going to be a wild year. A very, very wild year. And, uh, and there are some anniversaries coming up. We're going to talk about I mentioned it earlier. We're just around the corner from the 60th anniversary of one of those moments in uh, my life that even though I was just a little kid, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it because it affected my life going forward. And that was the assassination of President John Kennedy. And the, the strangest thing in a life of very strange things is I happen to be friends with a guy who wrote the best book about the Kennedy assassination. And if you've followed me on radio over these years, you may have heard me speak with author Gerald Posner. He's got a, he's got a whole shelf full of books he's written, 13 books. Uh, case closed, uh, the, the Kennedy book, of course, being the one I'm talking about here. But uh, his, his latest, Pharma, was also an incredible history of the uh, pharmaceutical industry in our country. But everything in between, a great book on Dr. King, a great book on uh, September 11th, uh, and the Vatican banking. And so I, I love it when I get a chance to talk to Gerald because I think he's just got a great perspective on, on our world from a, a news and a truth point of view. And he's joining us today not just to talk about Kennedy, but a, uh, a piece that Gerald has on his uh, Just the Facts site that is out today about what happened in Israel on October the 7th. And the denial of it, which is stunning to me. And I'm glad he's here today. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hey, Mike. Uh, great to be with you. As a matter of fact, we were friends before I even wrote anything about Kennedy because we both married up uh, and our wives knew each other. That's true. That is, that is the God's honest truth. <laughs> Gerald Posner and I are married to women who are well above our station in life and and uh, have put up with us for nigh on three-plus decades. And we became That's friends. Right. Like I, I remember looking across the table once going, can you believe this? Can you believe we got away with this? And That's exactly right, and we still are getting away with it. That's yes, right. we are. Uh, that's true. Yeah, because you were you were in the middle of the early part of your uh, career as a as a writer, uh, transitioning out of the uh, the work as a lawyer and getting into this this great uh, future you had as as an author. And then uh, and you I, were although, a producer on one of, and you were a producer on one of the most popular radio programs in all of the Northeast, the Z100. Yeah. How about that? The Wacky Morning Zoo. Which, yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, everybody says, how did you go from the wacky morning zoo and, and writing parody songs for the Bee Gees and, and commercials about flipping over Suzuki Samurais to this? Uh, September 11th changed my perspective, Gerald. That was my pivot mm -hmm. point where, where I went from uh, silly morning shows to working on maybe trying to save our country and our republic. What was it that changed you? from a, an, an attorney, a successful attorney in, in Midtown Manhattan, to uh, a guy who had to tell stories and had to tell these historically important stories? I, I think it was always a part of this interest of mine in history and then the part that is, you want to uncover truth that nobody else has. But you're absolutely right, Mike, when you say that 9-11, we were living in New York, all of us then, but it changed our perspective because even though I'd done the Kennedy book beforehand, 9-11 happened. You were looking into a whole bunch of serious subjects, and I sort of dropped every project to go ahead and do a book about 
you know, why America slept. How did they? And the next book after that was about Saudi Arabia. 9-11 changed the focus, I think, for a lot of us uh, for a while and made us realize what was at stake. Yeah, it's it's called a pivot point, And uh, I'm always interested to see what was the pivot point in people's lives and, you know, we have many pivots, but that was a big one for me. And I see it for you as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it brought gravitas to your your writing. Uh, not that you didn't have it before. The research you did on the Kennedy book still stands to this day. But I, I think it added uh, some serious street cred to the work you did, especially when you wrote about the Saudis and about uh, September yeah. 11th. Uh, and, but. And, and, and- Go ahead. And wait, and one thing, and you'll understand this completely. Writing about the Kennedy assassination, even though it's a subject we, you know, many people are fascinated with, it's a bit of history. You know, I would write about the King assassination or Motown or something. It was, it's looking back in history. Writing about 9-11 right after it happened and what the CIA and the FBI did wrong. Writing about Saudi Arabia and the Wahhabism, that extreme version of Islamic terrorism. Writing about pharma. Uh, you know, and, and what's going on in the drug industry. There's a more current part for it. So if anything, the pivot point for 9-11 made me try to not just look back at the history and solve these sort of historical questions, but stay more current on the things that are affecting us today. And Gerald, as you looked at uh, at your work digging into 9-11 and why America slept and then Secrets of the Kingdom, there were a bunch of people who lived in New York City with us. Gerald and I lived in the same building, eight floors apart. Our, 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 our lives were a little too close, I'm sure, at one point. But uh, there were a lot of people around us who believed um, that September 11th was not as we were being told, that it was an inside job. And it's another one of these denials that ties into your piece today on justthefacts.media that uh, we have to start talking about. Um, uh, Do you see the same kind of parallels here with people denying the truth and the reality? Yeah, so, you know, the interesting thing about 9-11 and the 9-11 truthers is most of the people who don't think that it was just 19 hijackers on three different planes and think, in fact, it was explosions and, you know, and, and, and all types of charges put throughout the buildings. Most of them are Americans or, you know, or that who who think the worst about their own government. And so it's not as though it's wildly believed inside the Middle East and in Arab countries. They're still very proud about those. You know, the, the extremists are still proud about 9-11, whereas this subject I'm talking about today, which is that there's a group of, you know, a, a sort of on the Internet and TikTok, you know, TikTok University and that um, who think that October 7th didn't happen. It either was faked by the Israelis or the Israelis did it or they're looking for an excuse to go into Gaza. And so they just created it. That is believed uh, uh, sort of, you know, in the Muslim world as well and among Palestinians. And so it has a growing little foundation that's much more international than just the 9-11 truthers. Now, I, I, I'm seeing these reports that you're, you're talking about here, the people uh, around the country and around the world who are saying, no, that, that didn't happen on, on uh, October 7th. There, there weren't children beheaded. There weren't families killed in front of their children or the women raped repeatedly. And so we start seeing the reports of the IDF footage that was gleaned from the body cams of Hamas that's been circulating. Have you seen that video? 
I've not seen the 43-minute video, as a matter of fact, and I, and I have requested the defense ministry. I'm, uh, you know, I know it's going to be gruesome, but I do want to see it. And it's hard to imagine. I mean, you don't, as you just said, Mike, the, the terrorists who went into Israel on October 7th, they weren't hiding it. They weren't told by the Hamas leaders, don't say anything about it. They were not only wearing GoPro cameras and having their own body cams on their vest. But then they took the the phones of the people they were slaughtering, raping and killing and torturing, and they put up the videos of what they were doing on their own WhatsApp accounts, on their Facebook accounts, so that family members and relatives could see it. These were people boasting about it. And yet I go down a list of videos that are on and uh, that are put up and then taken down and put back up, and they attract millions of people that say the rapes never happened, uh, the murders didn't happen, they were just going after military sources, the Israelis killed everybody when they came back in and try to stop the terrorism hours later. It's just absolutely outrageous. And you would think to yourself when you see it, it can't really hold any muster. One of the key people is promoting it is a guy called Max Blumenthal, of course. Sounds like a Jewish last name. He's the son of Sidney Blumenthal, who had been an aide to Bill Clinton years ago. My, you aren't Jewish. I'm not Jewish. We're both raised Catholic. But my wife, Tricia, who is Jewish, she calls the Jews like Max Blumenthal uh, ginos, like rhinos in the Republican Party, these are Jews in name only because they they are actually uh, either denying what happened on October 7th or they're out supporting Hamas. And she looks at them and says, I don't care if they were born Jewish, but they are ginos. They are not really Jews. I have not heard that term before. And I, you can tell I, Tricia, she made it up. So I will I will be I will be um, expediting its use and crediting her. <laughs> Because she is brilliant. <laughs> Gerald married a brilliant woman who's also a lot of fun. Uh, Gerald, the, these um, uh, some people call them self-hating Jews. When you look at the Blumenthal's of this world, uh, the people who are who are now uh, denying um, access to buildings. You had it in Manhattan uh, last week with Grand Central Terminal blocked by the ceasefire group who claimed to be Jews. You had it here in Philadelphia at the 30th Street Station. Uh, two Saturdays ago, where a group of people claiming to be Jews had blocked access to a transportation hub. And then last night in Washington, D.C., these are our people who are saying, well, we have to have a ceasefire. Uh, are they also generally among the deniers? Are they saying that this this didn't happen on a, the level that we've seen in the videos? No, I don't think that they, they've caught on to the denial movement yet. The denial movement's in its like early days. So it, they, we're going to see it over time. Um, I think because of the internet and because of TikTok, uh, it exploded much faster than it used to when it was just passed around by word of mouth. But there, there is no doubt that, and one of the things that's fascinating about this, we used to call them self-hating Jews or that, but it's the same when I look out into the crowd and I see a Black Lives Matter march um, and I see young white college students who are marching with them and saying this is a terrible thing, racked with guilt over the fact, or people who are marching who think that we're a colonial power and that we should be giving land back or reparations. It's this type of guilt that wraps you. But these groups that in in the young Jewish groups that shut down Grand Central a couple of weeks ago that were rallying for Rashida Tlaib, they really have been over time, uh, and I've looked into it, they've been 
promoters and supporters of the boycott and divestiture and sanction movement, a BDS movement, which is anti-Israel. They are funded by far left-wing groups and, and millionaires from Soros on who want to sort of create havoc and create this Marxist state. And they've grabbed the most left-wing group of students who have no sense of themselves, ideology or religion, and actually are out celebrating and promoting the people who, if they had a chance, would kill them. It's so fantastic that they are so stupid that they would be standing in front of Hamas and any group like that and saying, by the way, I'm a, I'm a Jew who supported you. You know, I went and rallied for you. I sat in Grand Central, went to the Capitol, and they would still be beheaded. They just don't understand that. They'd be the first ones, as Tricia says, who would be pushed on the trains being sent to the death camps in World War II, um, and they and they just don't see that. We're talking with author Gerald Posner about his latest piece, and you should follow Gerald on Twitter because he links to all of his stuff as well. His latest piece about the denial of October 7th and uh, this building story. Gerald says we're in the very early days here of the uh, the push to actually deny what happened, the 1,400-plus uh, Israelis who were killed and, and how many Americans and how many Americans currently being held hostage um, I go back to 1979 and the Islamic uh, revolution in Iran, where there were 55 Americans held for 444 days. And we heard about it every night on the news. We heard about the list of all those Americans. Ted Koppel's whole career as a superstar journalist happened because he covered those Americans being held. We have not heard boo about this, Gerald. We have not heard really any focus on Americans killed and Americans currently being held hostage. Uh, how, how is this yeah, being right. allowed to happen? No, it, it's remarkable, uh, Michael, to think that, uh, you, you know, I hear so many times you'll hear about what's the response like by Israel and what's being done in terms of uh, are we getting fuel in? Is there a humanitarian corridor? And what should take place about civilian casualties? And I'm thinking to myself, why isn't the first issue that's being addressed the hostages. We have 240 hostages ranging from, it used to be nine months of age to now 10 months of age to 85. But I don't know if the people listening were aware that a child was born the other day. The Israelis, the wife of Benjamin Netanyahu, confirmed it um, in, a, in a letter to Jill Biden that a, a child was born in captivity to one of the Israeli hostages. So think of this, at eight months, she was taken, that mother was taken when she was eight months pregnant. She didn't miscarry in all of the trauma and the and the worry and, and that about being taken hostage. Now she was treated. Now she's given birth in this hostage situation. It's astonishing to me, including the 30 Americans who are hostage. We have people being held, not just Jews. We have people being held who are Christians in there. We have some Muslim being held, some Thais who are Buddhist who are also taken. So it's multiple religions, um, 30 different nationalities, 30 Americans as well. It should seem to be the top issue, but it's not. And I, I'm perplexed by that, um, the standard coverage. Uh, am I maybe overthinking it? Is the administration soft peddling it because they're in the middle of maybe getting something something done and some people released? Well, you know, that's the great, and, and you know this so well, the, the unfortunate part here is that Hamas knows the value of hostages in the past. When they've had one Israeli soldier, Israel has traded 
thousands of people after years of that person being held to get somebody back. The current head of Hamas, the military heads, this guy called Sinwar, who had was sentenced to life in prison in Israel for killing Israeli soldiers. He was released as part of the release that released, you know, 1,500 prisoners for one soldier. The Israelis had done brain surgery on him. He had a brain tumor when he was in prison. They saved his life. And now he's leading the military wing of Hamas. So this is the trade-off that they get. They figured that if they had these many hostages, not only would Israel stop immediately and there would be no attack, but that the world would come in and say, oh, Israel, you can't do anything. But Israel understands that the only way Hamas is going to negotiate to Qatar and release anybody is if they're really under pressure. If they feel, oh, this time it's different, we're going to get crushed, decapitated, decimated, unless we let some of these or all of these people go. And that's what I think is the high-stake games here. It's It has to be terrible, Mike. I think sometimes if, if you know, I had a friend or a relative who was held hostage right now in Gaza by Hamas, and every time Israel was bombing or hitting them with artillery, I'd be, you know, it'd be terrible to think they're in a tunnel somewhere and hearing that going on, they must be terrified. But at the same time, it might be the only way to get them out. It's just one of those situations where they're, the only good outcome is getting them free. And we just aren't sure of how that's done until it happens, hopefully. The longer it goes, Gerald, the, the less likely I think that 240 of them are alive. And I don't want to believe that, but... You have to think logically here. Uh, we'll we'll follow this. You have to follow Gerald on Twitter to get this uh, the story of this uh, this denial of the latest Holocaust, which it truly is a Holocaust. But uh, Gerald, I, I don't want to I don't want to get rid of you without talking about the upcoming 60th anniversary of the uh, the death of President Kennedy and and of course your fine book which you know Gerald's book just keeps getting updated. I, I saw you posted something the other day that said you added something new. What's the latest you've added to Case Closed? So I've done an update for the first time in twenty years, and I've been prompted to do it by a secret service agent who's nearly ninety years old, a guy called Paul Landis, who came out. And he's just written a book, and he said, "Hey, that day when the assassination took place." I found a whole bullet in the back of the presidential limousine after the president was taken out, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I put it in my jacket pocket, and then I hung around the hospital for a while while they were treating the president. And then when we were leaving uh, Dallas and putting the president back to Washington in the casket, I put it on a stretcher in the hospital before we left. And he didn't tell anyone for 60 years. And now he's come out with it in a book. And I actually... Believe him. Now, I know when I describe it like that, you think I'm then going to say he's a miserable liar. But I think he did find a bullet that day. I don't think he's just making it up. And I think he has given us the answer after all of these years as to how the famous so-called single bullet, what Oliver Stone calls the magic bullet, was found on a stretcher at Parkland Hospital about an hour after Kennedy's body was taken out. It's a great dereliction of duty by this young Secret Service agent, but now he's fessed up for it all these years later, and uh, I am willing to think that it solves a small riddle in the case. So 60 years later, Secret Service agent who was part of that detail at Parkland Hospital, didn't they take everybody's clothes away from them when they got to Parkland? Wasn't that one of the protocol I heard that all those agents were basically stripped down because there was presidential DNA on, on on their clothing? No, you would think, I mean, not even, you know, Jackie, look at Jackie wore 
you know, her blood splattered pink Chanel outfit. She wouldn't change it because she wanted people to see it when she got off the plane and that. Um, and the Secret Service agents as well sort of cleaned themselves down, but nothing else. As a matter of fact, I just interviewed the other day Clint Hill, who some of your listeners will know was the Secret Service agent who threw himself in the back of the yeah. of the motorcade on the, the cars that was zooming out of Didi Plaza. And he said something I never thought about. He said, none of us were given any, you know, uh, counseling after. We didn't even know the word PTSD. We had, uh, we were all sort of in this stunned. We had lost the person we were supposed to protect. Uh, the uh, Clint Hill himself, you know, left the Secret Service like 16 years later. By that time, he was drinking. He was in a dark place. He said a lot of people uh, sort of self-medicated. We didn't know how to handle it. And uh, I had trouble imagining how could you have, you know, like grabbed something like a bullet that day put it in a pocket and then left it in a panic on a, on a stretcher and not told anyone. But these guys, were, you know, uh, were, they weren't perfect. They weren't, as we thought of it, the Secret Service, you know, is always going to do everything right. And I think sometimes uh, they made some big errors, and one of them was possible with what Paul Landis describes. And it does solve a big mystery. It does take the wind out of a lot of conspiracy sales, does it not? I, I think so, but I'm sure that there will be conspiracy. Look, at it. one thing I've learned is that whatever information comes out, when I think it is another piece of the puzzle that helps resolve the case, um, somebody who thinks it's a conspiracy will find a way to interpret it differently. So I've heard some people say, ah, that bullet he found, that's probably another shooter. That's another bullet, you know. And, he, and I say, well, that's that's an interesting theory. But where are the wounds on the president or the governor or anybody else for that? You mean a bullet was fired from another gun by another shooter, just landed in the car and didn't hit anybody? Didn't go through the glass or pierce the leather or pierce the metal? It just sort of plopped into the car waiting for somebody to find it? So, you know, people will use it to try to make more out of it. But if you push it just a little bit with common sense, and those arguments don't hold up very well. Yeah, they don't. They don't. And, and it's always... Smart to take the uh, the logical path on all these things and not follow the crazy conspiracy stuff. Uh, Gerald Poser in the middle of so many things on any given day. Uh, proud to call you uh, a friend, my friend. Uh, Gerald, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a plug because don't you have like some kind of discounted version of the book that's online? Oh, the um, uh, so uh, my publisher never tells me when they're putting it on uh, okay. sale. Uh, they had on sale last week, but I believe that before November twenty second, before next week, it will be on sale for a dollar ninety nine online on all the digital platforms. So Kindle, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Apple Books. So to your listeners, don't buy it today. I know what authors ever said: don't buy a book, don't buy it at eleven ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine, whatever the list price is. Just keep an eye out. Check once a day if you're interested in case closed. You will be able to get it for $1.99 sometime in the next week. It's a good deal. It's a great book, uh, Case Closed, and he's a great guy. Gerald Posner, follow him on the Twitter and everywhere else. My friend, I cannot thank you thank enough you, for sharing your time. And uh, uh, best regards to the dish, your bride. <laughs> <laughs> I will, and to, and to Donna as well. Uh, give her the best. Thank you, sir. God bless. Five o'clock happy hour is brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday, now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelCapeMay.com.
Gerald Posner, really an interesting cat. And, and he's right. I forgot that he hadn't written about Kennedy before I, I, uh, I met him and we became friends. Then he started writing this book. And uh, he actually recreated the rifle that uh, Oswald used. He, he got all the parts and built a rifle, an exact replica which freaked out a lot of our neighbors because we lived in Midtown Manhattan. And you know how people in New York feel about guns. But uh, what a fascinating story that, yes, 60 years later, one of the Secret Service agents fessed up and said, hey, uh, by the way, I I found a bullet that I left on a gurney at uh, Parkland Hospital in Dallas. Still crazy. People are still arguing over the Kennedy assassination. One of the uh, darkest times in America. And you just wonder, if John F. Kennedy were president today, could he be president as a Democrat? I don't think so. I, I think he was a guy who believed in uh, smaller taxes and, and you as a citizen with more freedom and more freedom to decide where you spent your money. That doesn't exist anymore. Not in the Democratic Party of today. They'd have thrown him out. All right, I'm taking a break, uh, wrapping up uh, the uh, Drive at Five, 30 minutes of nonstop talk. Uh, when we return, let's get into it. Let's talk about your health and your longevity. Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic joins us next. Opelka in for Zioli on The Zioli Show. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It is the Zioli Show, 535. Mike Opelka in for Zioli. Is that, is that Sugar Ray? Is that who that is? You know it. Uh, it's always that song that makes you think like you could sing. You know, because he doesn't have like the greatest voice. Someday. Oh. <laughs> it's catchy. Yeah, I like Sugar Ray. Yeah, decent. Not not rushing out to uh, play it loudly. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a deep dive on some old Willie Nelson, but that's for a different discussion. Opelka in for Zioli. And uh, I have to tell you, um, I am the purveyor of uh, fake news. I, I am uh, Mr. Trump. You want to declare it? You are fake news. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry. I, I told you that uh, Dr. Roizen was going to be joining us. He's next hour. Dr. Michael Rosen. Also, uh, we've got uh, Gordon Chang joining us as well. Uh, this hour, right now, out in uh, California as we speak, our friend Lauren Fix, the car coach, uh, because I love everything automotive. I love talking about cars. I love driving cars. I love knowing what the hell is going on in the world of cars. And that's why we rely on Lauren Fix, who's got her own YouTube channel called Car Coach Reports. You should go there. You'll be smarter for it. Uh, but she's here with us right now. Lauren, I'm glad you're here. A whole bunch of stuff going on right now. Hello. Yeah, lots going on right now, by the way. Auto industry was quiet. There was some, like, no news. Now there's all this news. Well, you know, for, very for, alive now. For, for the longest time, you were bemoaning the fact that the pandemic had shut down everything in the automotive world in terms of your work, your test driving new mm -hmm. cars, et cetera, traveling the globe, hobnobbing with the goober smoochers, seeing all the newest, the latest, the greatest. And now that is back, I don't want to hear you complaining about, oh, I have to go to Los Angeles to go to the preview of the L.A. car show, which is where you are, correct? Right. You know, it's weird because at first the L.A. auto show, we were looking at the rundown of the cars they're going to show us. There was like three reveals, and I thought, I'm not going all the way to L.A. for three car reviews. I'm just not going to do it. But I'm always here for the World Car of the Year Awards. 
we get to drive all these cars from other countries, which I really appreciate. Like an MG, which is made by SIAC. There's BYDs. There's uh, Suzuki, which we don't have here in the U.S. any longer. And a lot of other cars like Cupras and really cool stuff that gets brought here. But that that's what I thought would be the big deal. You know, I drove like a Fisker Ocean and a bunch of stuff. And now, beyond that, we got to drive and see the new Toyota Camry, the 2025, which will have a full review coming soon. But I have a, a walk around with the chief engineer. Then I got to see the new Toyota Crown uh, Signia, which will replace the Venza. So they're oh. trying to do like a mid-level product. So you'll have like Toyota's your entry level. And you'll have the Crown, which is that middle product, and Lexus at the top. Really? So, so they yeah. cr- created like a, a, a middle car company. Toyota's your your gateway car. And then right. the, the what's the crown level? The, the crown is the, the crown. next level. The so crown the is crown the crown. Sedan, and there's a crown Signia, which is the new SUV, which I'll be posting a, a walk around on that in the next couple of weeks. Now, I, I heard uh, on Wednesday that was, you know, breaking news came through that I think you've already covered that. Toyota is no longer going to be making gas-powered engines for the Camry, not exclusive gas-powered. They're, they're going to a, a hybrid? Right. So much like a Prius, where you just drive it, it's not a plug-in, you just drive it. And you get phenomenal fuel economy. They're using that type of engine in the Camry exclusively. Hmm. So just something to keep in mind. And the Camrys, it's uh, it's the greatest selling sedan at the moment, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Sedan absolutely still is for like 20-some years. Best-selling truck is the F-150 or the F-Series truck. SUVs, it oscillates all over the place, but it's either a Toyota or a Honda brand typically. Hmm. Oh, well, well, we'll talk about that when the car of the year thing happens. Now, yeah. Lauren, uh, the Los Angeles Auto Show is it the end of the year or the beginning of the year when it comes to car shows? It is, that's a good question. It is now at the end of the year. It used to be the beginning. It's now the end because there's no more Detroit Auto Show in January. That has moved to July, which doesn't make any sense. Then the New York Auto Show is in April. Those are the only three shows that have any value. New York, L.A. are the two big ones. Detroit, nah, it's kind of there. Chicago has become a very regional show, unfortunately. It used to be a big truck show. But there was no, I didn't even go this year. It's not even worth it. Now, you you do cover those other shows that cover, like, the accessories and the, the um, what, what do you call them, SEMA? Uh, what's SEMA that? is a Special Equipment Manufacturer Association. I didn't go this year because you don't want to hear why. Because I was in Spain with Volvo. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have made the same choice, too. Spain, mm-hmm. Vegas, Spain, Vegas. I'm headed to Spain every time. We we talked in recent weeks about the uh, kill switches and Thomas Massey, congressman from Kentucky, attempted to mm-hmm. get that defunded unsuccessfully. The kill switches for 2026 for all cars sold for 2026 still still in the works. But um, you've been doing a little digging. Is there anything we should know about the kill switches? Are they inevitable for our cars? Well, unless some congressman can get more people to bring this back up onto the floor and vote it out, uh, here's the problem. Car manufacturers are now forced to put this in play, and we're already driving 2025s. So that means within less than a year from now, we're going to be driving 26s. So I was at the BMW factory, and I spoke with someone at BMW who was an engineer. I said, hey, why I got you here? I got a question for you. He goes, yeah, sure. What's up? I said, what are you going to do with that new kill switch thing? And he looks at me and goes, what? 
I don't even know what you're talking about. I said, I think you might. He goes, we have not done anything with it. He goes, it would be a software update. It would be based on the input of your steering wheel, your brakes, uh, your acceleration. He goes, we have no way at this time to detect whether you can you have alcohol in your system. He said, we have push button starts. Those push button starts, at least in BMW's brand, doesn't use fingertip recognition, but still there would be no way for them to do it. He said, the technology's not there. He goes, we can't take the air that you breathe inside the car because you could be the designated driver and the person next to you could be drunk and then you can't get them home safely. So that could be a problem. So eye scanning, most brands are already doing. And I told you, you can find that out very easily by taking, sitting in the driver's seat, take a picture with your smartphone of the car. If you see two red or green or blue dots, two dots looking back at you, guess what? You're being tracked. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. So I said, what are you guys going to do? He said, we're going to put together what we can. He said, but there's 31 different uh, cutoff switches available right now, different designs and styles for people that have had DUIs or DWIs that have somehow still have their license, I'm surprised. In New York State, where I live, if you get a DWI twice, you're done. You don't get your license back. You can't buy insurance. You can buy a car, but you can't drive it. But again, that doesn't stop people from doing that if they get the whole whole of somebody else's car. And again, that's between the law and them. I don't know why they wouldn't use those devices. So it doesn't make sense. And they're using the excuse that it's about DWI. It is not. It's about control. So they know they can shut you down. You're speeding, shut you down. Oh, you avoided a squirrel, shut you down. If they sense panic in the listening devices they're going to start using in cars, which already is in play, and that software goes to your ECU, which is your computer. There's about 400 different processors in, a, in the average car and at least four or five computers. So the computer will decide based on your steering input, your acceleration, uh, your driving, tracking your eyes, and listening in the car what you're doing. Now, you could be in a panic. We've all been in positions sometime in our life, somebody's sick, somebody's injured, something happened that's stressing you out. And if you try to drive, it can shut you down. Well, I was talking to another brand, I won't say what brand, and they told me, we already have something like that in the car. And on the A pillar, which is between the windshield and your driver's side window, there's this little box that looks right at the person. He said, that will be for watching your eyes and watching your maneuvers. I said, well, who's making these decisions that I avoided a squirrel or a pothole or a child in the road or a deer or whatever it is, or I'm panicked or anxiety? He said, well, we're not making that decision. The computer is. So I know you don't like these letters AI, but that's exactly what artificial intelligence is doing. It's making a decision based on your actions. So the computer will decide, and then it will decide if it thinks, again, it won't know, but if it thinks you're unsafe, Four-way flashers go on, car pulls over to the side of the road, or you have to pull to the side of the road. God forbid it's on a motorcycle, you're probably dead. But on a car, pulls over, shuts the car off. Now, you're in, I call, kill switch jail. How do you get out of it? That's a problem. That hasn't been decided yet. So if the car shuts off because you were driving crazy, you maybe you were under the influence, how do, you, how do you move the car? Is that a tow truck driver? Is that a police officer? Is that a fireman? Do you have to wait 24 hours? Nobody knows. And here's the big fear a lot of people have. You're you're escaping a situation. Somebody's chasing you, whatever it might be. Road rage. Now you've pulled over to the side of the road because you're panicked. We got a problem because now your life is in jeopardy. And to me, this is a nightmare. And I am shocked that the insurance companies have not fought against this. But 
I plan on tracking down some insurance companies that don't want this in place, and we're going to take this back to Congress. I'll find a lobbyist to make this happen. This is worse than taking out AM radio. This is very dangerous. And there's even more stupid rules coming, which we just found out two days ago. Well, we don't have time to get into the other stupid rules, but we will dive into them the next time you and I talk. I have no doubt the government will come up with more stupid rules to get involved in our lives, and especially as it relates to our freedoms on the roads. And that's why we have to appreciate Lauren Fix, the car coach. You need to follow Lauren. She's on social media. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter's formerly known as X. See, I'm renaming it back to Twitter. And uh, especially Lauren's YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports. Go there and subscribe. It's free. You'll get car smarts every week, and then we'll talk about it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And there she goes, off into the L.A. sunset for the uh, car show out there. Maybe we'll get an update on the Saturday night show because she usually joins us on the weekends. Uh, I got to take a break, don't I, Henry? Yes, you do. We're up against it. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's Michael Pelka in for Rizzioli. Join us at 855-839-1210 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for listening to the Scioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. It is 10 minutes ahead of 6 o'clock. Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on the Zioli Show. A bunch of you are sending me messages about our discussion with Lauren Fix, the car coach, about, about the kill switches coming to cars. And uh, it's real. And, and Thomas Massey tried to stop it. Tried to stop it. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. But a bunch of uh, Republicans blocked it. And uh, it is Big Brother in a big way. Linda on, on Twitter X saying that, yes, Big Brother, shutting down your car and using AI because of what they believe you're doing. And the Democrats tried to portray this as, well, it's a DUI thing. No, it's not. It's not. This is control. Sid's got a 2013 Toyota RAV, and they, they do go forever. As long as you change the oil and the tires. Toyotas will run forever. They're great cars. I, I'm looking for, uh, <laughs> I'm looking for uh, an old Ranchero or an old El Camino, but they got to be too cool among the uh, the hipsters, and they're now very expensive, so I can't afford them. Uh, just uh, always interesting to talk about our cars, and I'm really upset with what the government's trying to do because they're also talking about, and Lauren gave me a hint after we said goodbye. She said they're talking about speed controllers. They're talking about putting uh, government-mandated speed controls in cars, which means you won't be able to speed. And there are times when maybe you need to. I'm just saying. Uh, phones have been very busy today, and I appreciate every time everyone gets involved in this show. Richard's in Havertown. Hey, Richard, welcome to the Zioli Show. What's on your mind? Well, thank you. Well, besides the fact that there are all the obvious reasons that they're against the uh, the control in the car, um, the one thing that people haven't mentioned, and the same thing happens with the self-driving cars, is the highway system isn't designed with the electric eyes, old-fashioned, plain old electric eyes. That's basically what they use. Uh, the roads are so states that the machine could shut down the car from a poor road, misreading a sign, misreading the situation. 
So there's multiplicities. The money that we're spending in this could be better spent actually upgrading our highways, upgrading our lights, upgrading our signage, upgrading the, the, the roads. I mean, anybody that's driven in Philadelphia knows there's problems or any major cities. Yeah. And the control, I, it's just, it's just uh, the next thing it'll be climate control. The next thing it'll be restrictive driving hours. The next thing you'll, you'll live like if, if all these people are so happy to be in North Korea with their with their with their style of living, please go to North Korea, enjoy it. I'm sure uh, Kim Al Jong will be happy to accept every American lefty who wants to go into the socialist paradise of North Korea. And please you know leave us leave us alone. And I'm with you, Richard. I, it, it is the the libertarian dream of a giant freedom and small government that just get out of the way. And now the other problem that I have, Richard, is the the cost that's being added to cars to put this technology is an average of three thousand dollars per car. So it's going to well, increase the price of the car by that much as well. Well, I, I think the, the real problem you'll see nobody will. And then the next thing you'll know, they'll be sitting on them. And the used car values and the older cars, you know, there was years ago they had a, a movie, I forget it was, with uh, Lauren Green. The spaceships were controlled by by uh, robots. And I think that's basically, unfortunately, you're going to have the Chinese are going to get a hold of the kill switch button. And then they're going to kill every car in the United States that operates with that kill switch. And do you think the export market for anything U.S. made? is going to be good in anywhere else in the country? No. They're not going to buy our cars. They're not going to buy anything with a kill switch. What are we going to do, have an export market without a kill switch and a U.S. market with a kill switch? Are we going to have the Chinese that can already get into almost any computer? The U.S. military can't use Chinese components because of that problem. What do you think they're going to do to the U.S. automobiles? So you're going to have a real problem, and it's not going to be us in control. Well, this is why we have to keep bothering people in Congress, because we had a shot last week with Thomas Massey, but I think it was 22 Republicans joined along with the Democrats to kill the funding of the uh, the attempt to kill the funding of the kill switch. Maybe we'll have another shot at it coming up in the near future. Thank you, Richard. You're spot on, spot on on this. It's dangerous and it's also obtrusive and we don't need it. Thank you, sir. Uh, real quickly, let's go to Ed in Delran, New Jersey. Hello, Ed. You're the last call this One hour. of my main men, Mr. Opelka. <laughs> I hey, needed hey, vitamin. Hey, I love I needed that. A, and and I, I, got, I got your last check in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ed, um, thank you. So, thank you. Hey, Had a tough yeah, week. Oh, so. my pleasure. Hey, listen, I got to talk about Joe Bite Me and the pathetic press conference he gave reading all the cue cards about what he's supposed to say. Then he's got cards to call on each reporter with the answer written down for him. I mean, he's just so with it. He's he's like a lightning bolt, that man. I mean, I thought Carter was bad, and I was only 16 years old when he was in office, and I remember that buffoon well. And he's a decent human being, but he was a horrible president. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Carter turned out to be an incredible human being, terrible president. Joe Biden, well, we don't know if he's a good human being. We do have breaking Biden news, though. I have breaking Biden news, and this just crossed. Ooh, Uh, oh, boy, I'm excited now. We got it right live while I'm on the radio with you. Yeah, yeah, you got to make sure I got time to get this in. 
There will be no charges, no charges for the mishandling of classified documents that Biden had at his home. The uh, special counsel, Robert Hurst, not expected to bring any charges against Biden. He had classified documents in Wilmington, in the garage, by the Corvette, as well as the Penn Biden Center. The worst thing he will face, according to the Wall Street Journal, is harsh criticism. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is being roasted. Not for me, my friend. Equal justice under the law does not exist under Democrat administrations. And how many times has Sean Hannity brought that up? Man, oh, man, till we're blue in the face. Yep, here we are. Ed, thank you. i got to wrap up this hour. we got a busy final hour coming, but thank you for being there. Appreciate vitamin Ed on the phones. Always a good time. Uh, there he goes. Here I go. Michael Pelka. One more hour. This is the Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Revolution. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. It is the Zioli Show with Michael Pelka in for my buddy Rich Zioli today. And tomorrow, God willing, I'll be back and we'll take care of business and we'll wrap up the week. It is a week away from Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I cannot believe it. A week away from Thanksgiving. And uh, in the past, I used to, um, in my unsupervised era, as I called it before I met my wife, uh, I used to open my door and we would, my, my crazy buddies and I would host a Thanksgiving for anybody that wasn't around family. When I lived in, in Texas years ago, 100 years ago, uh, a lot of us were young professionals just starting out. And Thanksgiving, a lot of people couldn't go home for a couple days, so we would uh, we would have a group. I guess what do they call it now? Friendsgiving, Henry. You would know this because you're part of that era now. Yeah. Do you guys do Friendsgiving where yeah. you go over to one house? Yeah, we do Friendsgiving. It's just like Thanksgiving but with friends. But you do it the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, it depends. So that Wednesday before Thanksgiving is more just uh, drinking, we'll say. Um, yes. I understand the concept. The the Friendsgiving, yeah, that's not necessarily that day, but it is around probably that week. That week, like right now, would probably start Friendsgivings. Wednesday was always, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving was always the who's back from college. Right. Yeah, exactly. There was a lot of, uh, I'm going to use the term, booty calling going on. Just saying. Yeah, of course. It's the 80s, though, so it's a different time. But yeah, we we used to open our house. And uh, somebody would host it, and we'd put our turkey, and we'd get a 25-pound turkey, put it in the oven in the morning, and then we'd go down to the, uh, in Houston, they had a huge turkey carve where everybody would go to the, the food bank, and they'd have a giant carving of turkeys for the homeless. And you go down there and cut, cut up turkeys and help serve the homeless for a couple hours. And then by the time you go home, your turkey's in the bag, and it's cooking and you could have Thanksgiving and, and Friendsgiving. So uh, we're not going to have this. Just the two of us and uh, Winnie the Poodle, the uh, six pounds of 
of Poodle that's going to be joining us. So it's it's just a smaller and smaller gathering. I wish I wish there were more bodies around the table, especially after the COVID battle this year. So it's uh, it's not going to be a giant event. Now this hour is going to be busy. We have a lot to get to this hour. Uh, we played a little bit of the uh, stuff that happened in California with Joe Biden and Xi Jinping and some of the uh, silly stuff that was said, some of the nonsensical things Joe Biden said, because after all, he was live and uh, fell off the teleprompter a couple times. So we'll get to that and we'll hear from Gordon Chang in about 30 minutes from right now. He'll give us a live report on what his take was from this meeting, which we apparently begged to have. And did we get anything out of it other than uh, pandas? I don't know. I don't think so. Just saying, there's some questionable stuff. Uh, we we also have um, our, our friend, I think he's on hold right now, our friend Dr. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic. I talk to Dr. Roizen every week. I've done it every single week for the past whew, six years. And we talk about how you can live better and live healthier. And and uh, Dr. Roizen, it, it, was a, it was a rough week for me. Uh, you and I talked last week, and I, I had a I had a sinus headache and a sore throat. I thought it'd be out on the golf course uh, once I beat it, and it turned out not to be uh, true. It turned out to be the COVID, and uh, that made for a, a rough week. But I'm here. I've survived it, and uh, I want to talk to you about uh, living better, living younger, living longer. So I'm glad you're here. Welcome, my friend. It's a privilege. Thank you. Well, Doc, did you ever have COVID? Not that I know of. Okay, good. I'm I'm glad you didn't. I I didn't have it until this past week, and it's not fun. So try and take care of yourself. And I do think the stronger you are, the better health you are in. If you encounter something like it, the better fight you're going to be able to put up. So try and take care of yourselves. Dr. Royzen wants us all to go to the Longevity Playbook website, which is longevityplaybook.com. And that's the place where you go to train your body to live younger, to live longer, and all that good stuff. And then we talk about how we can even be better at that when we get together. Dr. Royzen, I'm looking over the list here, and there's a lot of terminology I don't understand, like every week, and you'll explain it to me. But the one thing that caught me, and we talk about how you got to stay active, how mobility is so important. And this study about mobility in older adults is tied to higher income. What, What is this all about? Um, what it's all about is that if you maintain your mobility, if you routinely walk, you're more likely to stay healthy. And the people who are more likely to do things for their health happen to be those in the upper third of income levels. So one third of income levels in the United States If you break it into tertiles, the people in the middle and lower thirds don't do as much physical activity, don't maintain their mobility, whether because of obesity or osteoarthritis or eating habits or where they live, um, it's harder to exercise. They have to work two jobs as opposed to one. So what this really is, um, is saying that There is a real um, 
divide in, in how people are keep healthy and that there's a substantial difference. When we started looking at this, there was a three-year difference in life expectancy between those who maintained mobility and those who didn't. It's now about 15 years, so Holy it's really cow. important to maintain mobility. And and we talk about mobility all the time and trying to stay active, and you're, you're a big advocate of doing that 20-minute walk every day. That's one of the cheapest and simplest things you can do to benefit your personal health is to stay mobile, to stay in motion. And it, and it helps all parts of your body in fighting off age and, and all the other illnesses that are chasing us down. So this is one of those things, people, if you can just put a priority on 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of walking, you're not sprinting, you're not running, you're not cycling, you're just walking. And it's going to pay off big time. Wow, that 15 years in in change, that is gigantic, doctor. That is huge. Explain the first one to me. The pulse field ablation may bridge gender gap. Well, this is this is actually a really good one. Go ahead, t- say it. I interrupted you. That's all right. But I'm really glad you chose to go there. So go ahead. Well, the number one thing on your list is pulsed field ablation may bridge gender gap in AF ablation. And I'm thinking that's arterial fibrillation. Um, atrial fibrillation, atrial. right. Yeah. Atrial fibrillation is a major uh, problem in elderly. So uh, this is a new way of doing atrial fibrillation ablation. So believe it or not, this started, ablation started, I think, in the early, maybe the late 1990s, early 2000s at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, with literally electric wire going in and burning the abnormal pathway. It required a lot of skill to find it. And then came a technique where you essentially uh, burn a, all of the inner part of a, uh, the pulmonary vein. That's where it originates, the atrial fibrillation. And so you can stop the abnormal rhythm. The problem with that is it worked better for men than women by about 10% difference. And secondly, that you had to be very careful because every now and then, one in a thousand nationwide, one in something like 15,000 at the Cleveland Clinic, so I'm proud of where I work. But it, um, you would burn a hole into the esophagus, Ooh. creating an esophageal pulmonary artery or atrial fistula connection. Horrible. And all of those people would uh, go through a painful and miserable death. Um, so we needed something that didn't risk that, even though it's one in a thousand or one in 15,000, you don't want any of that. So the new way of doing this is literally a radio frequency pulse field that is, um, as effective. It's about 80% effective at ablating the abnormal rhythm. 
um, and very close to being the same in both genders in the early studies and doesn't have this side effect from as far as we know. That's so amazing. this is a, it's not yet approved in the United States. It's now, I think, just approved in Europe. We expect it to be approved in the United States. We've done a lot of them at the Cleveland Clinic. Mount Sinai in New York has done a lot of them. And so we expect this to um, be the next usual technique. And this is where it looks like it's going. So not yet approved. We expect it to get approved by February or March of this next year. So everyone will be able to get the benefits of this. That's excellent. That's great to hear. And, and it's nice to know in, in like 40 years, we've gone from somebody taking a flamethrower to clear the sidewalk of snow and ice to now something very focused and targeted that does as little damage as possible to the rest of the system that still cleans up the walkway. That's how I see the early days of the ablation, as you were talking about. And now this this radio pulsed field is just a very exciting. More exciting news, and I, I love when we see this kind of stuff, when when you read about living alone is tied to higher risk for cancer deaths, this reinforces the push to have a posse. This reinforces what you've been saying for so long is that loneliness is such a problem for us. We need to make sure we're we're trying to help eliminate loneliness. Is it really a, a huge increase in cancer? It's a thirty. It's a thirty percent increase. Oh my God! So, in other words, the it's actually to be specific a thirty-two percent increase. So, and it it turns out it's worse in um, non-Hispanic white adults um, than in non-Hispanic black adults. But it's present in everybody living alone is a obviously you don't ablate stress as well. And that the total of the the effect is about a 32 or 33 percent increase in cancer rates. If you know somebody who's fighting cancer, there's nothing better you can do than give them a little time, even a phone call. And it is so important. And it's it's better than drugs in many ways. And that is just a gigantic number, almost a third increase in cancer deaths of people who are living alone. So, again, think about that. It's about what you can give back in this life. Doc, I keep hearing all these states are are decriminalizing psychedelics like Oregon seems like everything's legal in Oregon right now. I'm worried about all these psychedelic drugs out and everybody's using them recreationally, et cetera. Um, are, are they beneficial in any way, shape or form? I know you have something to hear about OCD. Well, we're, we're now, they're now getting studied in what we call randomized controlled trials. Uh, I'm still, um, if you will, wanting to see all the data, but in people with obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, uh, it turns out that classic psychedelics, that is LSD is the classic psychedelic, if you will, in a randomized controlled trial, reduce the symptoms of OCD significantly. And so we're now beginning from 
UC San Francisco, from Oregon, from Hopkins, from Cleveland Clinic, reliable places studying these in randomized controlled fashion in pill preparation. The joy of this is that the psychedelics aren't schedule one. And because of that, they can be made uniform and studied well and found out what really works and what doesn't and to find out the specific cases where it's supporting, where it's appropriate to use them. Hmm. The, the problem with cannabis or marijuana is it's still Schedule One, so it can't be studied very well and clearly not uniformly state to state. That's why, in fact, uh, it's, it is really excellent um, to have it studied in this way in a randomized controlled fashion. Well, I know we're seeing a lot of studies done on, uh, on veterans and folks with severe PTSD and some of the psychedelics being used. And, and I happen to have a friend who's had a remarkable change in his life under laboratory testing of this. So it's not like he's out experimenting on his own, but I'm just nervous that I don't want to be on the road with a bunch of people who are dropping acid. I, I, I want it to be under controlled situations with, as you said, you know, they they can be studied. The doses can be correctly created and measured and that kind of utilization. I, I, you know, for an old hippie doc, I'm very skeptical of all this legalization or normalization of, of uh, drug use everywhere. It makes me a little nervous. Me as well, and I guess I qualify as an old hippie too, but I never was quite a hippie, but um, I was in that generation. Dr. Michael Royson is our, our buddy. He is from the Cleveland Clinic. So much great information every week, and I encourage you, if you want to take control of your life and help you make you younger and live longer and and do wonderful things in the future, you need to visit longevityplaybook.com, longevityplaybook.com. Go there and then hang out with us when we talk. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And there he goes. And and I have to make room because uh, we're supposed to get a live update from our friend uh, Gordon Chang, who was just on Fox a little bit ago, and I, I believe we're still rock solid confirmed, so... We're going to step aside. We'll find out what the heck happened in California. Did we get anything of value out of uh, this meeting with Joe Biden and Xi Jinping? I'm dubious. I'm doubtful. But we'll find out just around the corner. Michael Pelka on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It is 28 minutes after the hour. We're minutes away from connecting with Gordon Chang, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. And you should be connected to Gordon G. Chang on Twitter as well. If you want to know what's what in the uh, in the Asian world. And Gordon keeps his eyes on so many different things. But he was on Fox earlier. I'm like, okay, we're going to get him. He'll be here. He never lets us down, which is, uh, I just jinxed myself. Uh, Opelka in for Zioli today, tomorrow. We got about another half hour left here. Uh, last night in Washington, D.C., six members of the Capitol Police Force were injured by far left pro Palestinian rioters who were actually violent. And I, I wonder why there aren't more arrests. We understand there was one arrest, one arrest. 
and not not fair. You know, it's again, it's it's another case of two tier justice system. We heard earlier that Joe Biden will only get a stern talking to about having classified documents in his garage next to his classic Corvette in the same space where the drug addled Hunter Biden was able to just kick around. And yet Donald Trump is facing God knows how many millions of dollars in legal fees over the over the documents that he as president had every right to declassify. Joe Biden took these documents, classified documents, when he was a senator, when he was a vice president, didn't have the right to have them. But never mind that. Never mind that. Don't let that get in the way of of what you're talking about here. It is infuriating. So uh, I was just looking at some of the um, the video from last night outside of the DNC headquarters where members of the Democratic Party had to be holed up in the basement, had to be protected by Capitol Police. And again, I said there were six members of the Capitol Police force who were, in fact, injured and uh, maybe one arrest last night. Uh, but here, here's one of the uh, one of the rioters who commandeered a camera and posted it on social media. We're outside the DNC. We're outside the Democratic Party headquarters because this party claims to be on the side of life and peace and equality. And we're saying that we want them to live up to their values. So um, I, I just want you to know she's single. I have it on good authority. She's she's single. So uh, ready to mingle, I guess, if you want to be a protester. But she said she's there representing the party of life. Um, isn't it something like 40 plus percent of African-American babies are aborted? I don't know how that qualifies as the party of life. I'm just saying. Hmm. Very interesting to me. She had more to say, too. No, they don't want to beat up protesters. They're trying to protect property, trying to protect protect the DNC headquarters. Again, six members of the Capitol Police Force were injured last night. And uh, I don't think anyone, maybe one person, was arrested after this. Uh, this continues to be allowed to happen. And eventually it'll stop. It will stop. But we have uh, bigger fish to fry. Uh, The last couple of days, our president and some of our upper tier of Joe Biden's administration have been gathered in California to uh, meet and discuss uh, a a range of issues with leaders from the Asian Pacific community, uh, including the Chinese president, Xi Jinping. But did we get anything from this? Was there any any real success other than San Francisco got the streets cleaned? And maybe for a week, it's going to stay nice in the tenderloin. I don't know. Uh, The only way to understand it fully is to rely on our friend Gordon Chang, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. I encourage you. I implore you. If you want to be smart, you go to Twitter X and you put in Gordon G. Chang and then you follow him. Then you hang out because we talk about important issues all the time. Gordon, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Oh, well, thank you so much, Mike. 
uh, you're, you're always welcome wherever I am, Gordon. Um, aside from the uh, kind of veiled hint that we might be getting some more of them free pandas, uh, did we get anything out of these last two days in this meeting in California? Well, we got a lot of promises from China. Um, but remember, those are the types of promises that we've gotten before. So, for instance, Xi Jinping said he's going to stop the flow of fentanyl. Now, if that indeed works out, you know, I say kudos to Joe Biden. That's a great achievement. But we got to remember that Xi Jinping, the very same guy, five years ago, 2018, made the same promise to President Trump. And, of course, we're now seeing fentanyl come into our country in record volumes. So fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. I guess my name is Joe Biden. So, um, you know, the promise to stop sending the materials to make the fentanyl is what I understand was was made that, you know, the pill, the pill making equipment, as well as the raw materials. Um, Is that something that would really slow it down? Because isn't there already in existence a massive fentanyl industry in Mexico? Well, there is. Um, But for the most part, they only mix the precursor chemicals from China. Um, In India and in Mexico, they are starting to make their own precursors, but it's not significant amounts. So um, really what's going on is in China, they make most of the precursors that are necessary. And remember, the Communist Party runs a near total surveillance state, which means they know exactly what these Chinese fentanyl gangs are doing. They couldn't operate without the approval of the Communist Party. And on top of that, Chinese diplomats actually provide cover to the fentanyl gangs. The fentanyl gangs launder their proceeds through the Chinese state banking system. And remember, Chinese officials inspect every container leaving China. So the Communist Party wants to kill Americans. And when John Kirby, Admiral John Kirby, the NSC spokesperson, says, well, Xi Jinping doesn't want any one more American to die from fentanyl, I say to Kirby, resign, because you're a disgrace to the United States for you to say that. You are helping a murderer murder Americans. And and not just uh, a couple of them. We're seeing tens of thousands of Americans die every year. The numbers are not slowing down. They seem to be increasing no matter what happens. Uh, Yeah, if I can just stop you for a moment. The CDC preliminary numbers for last year show that 70,000 Americans died from doses of illicit fentanyl. Now, almost all that fentanyl, as we talked about, comes from China, which means that China murdered about 70,000 Americans last year. Mm. And that's, you know, for the last three years at least. So we're talking close to a quarter million Americans whose lives have been taken directly tied to China and, and, and this horrific drug that's been foisted upon and it's it's providing a lot of money for china as well i i think we we have to say that's it's uh narco capitalism that china is cashing in on and god knows what they're doing with that money well the chinese gangs they put their money through the chinese banking system now that money gets spread around so communist party officials actually get some of the cash but from the party's perspective It's not the cash. It's that they're killing Americans, which is their goal. Their goal is to weaken the United States. They don't care how they do it. 
And so um, we have to impose the severe costs on China. We shouldn't be talking to China. We shouldn't be you know, that the time for talking is past. We have just exhibited a lot of patience. And now Biden shouldn't fall for this because a year from now, you know, Biden obviously thinks, oh, look, I get a deal on fentanyl. That helps me politically. OK, if the election were held November 2023, yeah, Biden would get a political bump out of it. But if we get to November 2024 and we're still seeing record fentanyl um, in, in the United States, then I think it's a big liability for Biden. Well, it, it seems like it should be an immediate liability, and I think the media needs to press it a little bit harder. We're talking with Gordon Chang, Gordon G. Chang, on Twitter. Uh, Gordon, China's economy, uh, we, we've been hearing all kinds of stories about a slowdown in China's economy. And one of the areas that that we've been hearing about is, is the uh, youth economy, and they've stopped releasing uh, the, the numbers— Unemployment numbers for the the youth workers in China. And last night, I, I couldn't believe I heard this. Last night, Stephen Colbert actually told a joke about the Chinese youth unemployment. Uh, just hear this one. For the past several years, China's economy has been struggling with anemic consumer spending and high youth unemployment. It's gotten so bad that second graders can't get a job at the iPhone factory. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe we're actually making jokes about child labor that China has. But uh, how bad is China's labor situation at this point? Um, China said in June that uh, in the 16 to 24 age cohort that it was 21.3 percent unemployment. That is an understatement, because in March of this year, when China said that there was 19.7 percent youth unemployment, the true figure, according to a Peking University professor, was 46.5 percent. Wow. And the reason for the difference between um, the Peking University, Peking University is like a Harvard. The difference between the Peking University and the official numbers is that the official numbers do not include people who are so discouraged that they have left the workforce. And in March of this year, um, this estimate said that there were 16 million Chinese who had left the workforce. So if you add the official number of people who were unemployed in March, plus the 16 million, you get to a number which is almost 50%. It, that's, that's the type of economic number that usually sparks some kind of revolution in the streets. We saw it happen in the Middle East in the in the past few decades. When the youth aren't working, it usually causes unrest. Any chance that could be an uprising in the making in China? Well, there's always the chance of an uprising. Uh, right now, um, probably what we saw in October of last year, these extraordinary protests where many of them were young. But the problem right now in China is that people are so discouraged that essentially they're not in the rebellious or revolutionary mood. They've just opted out of Chinese society altogether. And, Mike, we know that because in our country we have this unprecedented surge of Chinese migrants coming across our southern border. Most of those are who they say they are. They just opted out of China. They've given up hope and they decided to come to the U.S., so that shows you that a lot of people there have just said, I'm done with China. 
And by saying I'm done with China, that means maybe they've decided to make a shift towards a capitalist economy. It's not like we should be worried about a a group of military-aged men from China coming across our southern border. Well, that's a different story, because I said almost all of the migrants. But we are seeing um, packs of Chinese males, 5 to 15, military age, traveling without family members, pretending not to speak English, and U.S. Border Patrol knows that some of them have links to the Chinese military. Hmm. So that, those are probably saboteurs. You remember that biological weapons lab in Reedley, California, owned yes. by a Chinese man? Well, in that lab, there were at least 20 pathogens, according to the official count. And there were almost a thousand mice that had been genetically engineered to spread disease. So what do you do with a thousand mice? Well, you give them to a saboteur who picks up 10 of them and moves to Minnesota. And somebody else moves to Wisconsin and somebody else moves to New Jersey. God forbid I live in New Jersey. But the point here is that China is putting together the infrastructure in our country to attack America from American soil. It's more than scary, and, and that uh, bio lab has been very quiet. Uh, any reporting on it has been very quiet, so I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, Gordon, before I let you go, is there uh, any update on the tension between China and uh, Taiwan? I, I know that it seems like we had a lot of uh, military activity, flyovers, close encounters, saber rattling. Has that died down at all? It has died down, and the reason is that Taiwan has a presidential election on January 13th of next year. And up until um, three or four days ago, um, you know, it was pretty clear that the vice president of the country, William Lai, of the Democratic Progressive Party, somebody that China abhors, he's got a double-digit lead. But what happened is that two of the three pro-China candidates had decided to merge their tickets for president. So I'm sure that China's not going to do anything from a military point of view, because they're probably still hoping that a pro-China candidate will become the next president of Taiwan. Now, I tend to think that that won't happen, but it's pretty clear that the pro-China forces will pick up seats in the national legislature. So China has been pretty quiet about Taiwan recently. And that's one problem that is gone away, at least for the moment. But the problem that's become a lot bigger is the one in the Philippines, where China is looking like it wants to provoke a war. Hmm. So we, we can kind of uh, relax on, on Taiwan until the election, but we need to keep our eyes on what's happening in uh, the area around the Philippines, the South China Sea area as well. Uh, Gordon Chang, always a font of information and great information, up-to-the-minute information. I encourage everybody, follow Gordon, Gordon G. Chang, on Twitter slash X. My friend, uh, best to you and your bride. Safe travels, and thank you again. Thank you so much, Mike. And there he goes. Uh, like I said, he, he's got his, his mind wrapped around everything that connects to what China's up to. And China had been doing a lot of saber rattling and looking like they they were going to do something militarily with Taiwan. But if they can do it without firing a shot, if they can take over Taiwan by doing it politically, ultimately, it's a better deal for them. Very interesting. 
Uh, China has a, a whole bunch of military strategy going on. Uh, we have so many things to get to. There's there is a new uh, Fox poll that we have to look at um, a major, major poll out of Fox regarding Joe Biden's job performance. And uh, it relates to black voters, Hispanic voters, college degrees and uh, men, as well as voters under the age of 45. Where is Joe Biden's approval and disapproval rating? We'll get into that, plus a couple other surprises before we get out of here. And you're welcome to share a last thought as well. 855-839-1210 is the number. It's Opelka in Frizioli on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. This is like tomorrow music. I've got a tomorrow song too, but you know, do, like Fridays feel like the weekend anyway, right? They do, but this was this was like again in the unsupervised years. Uh, this song would hit, and then everybody would hit the dance floor. Yes, I know <laughs> it was it was the eighties. Lots <laughs> well, of big the, hair. Uh, there was some. The big hair kind of came in the mid eighties. You know, not not in Texas. There there was some hair, but there wasn't big hair till I got to Jersey. And my God, was there big hair. <laughs> I love New Jersey in the mid to late 80s. God bless you all. Uh, we've got some some stuff going down. It's Opelka and Frizioli here today and uh, here tomorrow and Saturday night. It looks like we've got a full show Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. So you have to be here three days in a row. It's part of the requirements. Uh, it looks like. It looks like it looks like it looks like we're going to have some action out of the oversight committee where James Comer revealed uh, the subpoenas. The subpoenas are flying on Newsmax today. Uh, Comer was talking. I think it was with Leland Vittard. I'm not sure, but he was they were talking about uh, the subpoenas for the Biden crime family. And this kind of made me happy. If subpoenaed James Biden, Hunter Biden. Good job, Congressman. We talked a lot about that, uh, yep. I think, since the summer. Um, James Biden's wife, Sarah, Hunter Biden's wife, um, Haley Biden, that's Bo Biden's widow, and her sister, both of whom Hunter had relationships with. Can we all just say, ooh, but we'll be tuning in for that with uh, James Biden's widow and sister, with whom Hunter was... Uh, uh, having a, a conjugal or sexual congress, I think, is the term we're supposed to use. But wait, there's more. When is the earliest that you get Hunter Biden on Capitol Hill under oath? So save the date, everybody. James Comer's about to give us a save the date. <laughs> save the date. When are we going to get Hunter Biden under oath? Well, I hope we said by December the 4th. And we expect to have him here on Capitol Hill Uh December the 4th or earlier. Now, we haven't heard from his attorney, but obviously uh, we know they received the subpoena because what do they do? Just days later, they subpoena Donald Trump. You know, I mean, they're always going to try to blame it on Trump somehow, the money they've taken from China and Romania. But at the end of the day, uh, we're ready to bring Hunter Biden in because we have the bank records and we can connect the dots and we can ask Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, and the entire Biden family that's been receiving wires from our enemies around the world, we can ask them specific specific questions about specific transactions. We have no idea what the Biden family did to receive all this money. And I think the American people deserve to know what the first family has done with our enemies around the world to receive tens of millions of dollars. 
Yes, I think we need to know. Now, the fact that uh, Comer has dropped these subpoenas is a good thing. Hunter Biden's lawyers are going to fight tooth and nail to prevent him from testifying on camera. Although, if it happens, I will be there with popcorn. And I will be there ready to watch all day. So I'm, I'm guaranteeing you there's going to be some negotiation back and forth. There's going to be a little bit of negotiation trying to say, all right, Hunter will come in. He will speak, but it will be in deposition form behind closed doors. And you're not going to get him to uh, be on camera. I'm just saying. And, and why are they going to have to do that? Well, because daddy's numbers keep getting lower and lower. The new Fox polling that came out today, uh, Joe Biden's uh, job performance, it's not just bad, it's really bad. Uh, disapproving uh, Joe Biden's job performance, men, 63% disapprove. Voters under the age of 45, 62% disapprove. Hispanic voters, 60% of Hispanic voters disapprove of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, 57% of college degreed voters disapprove of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And black voters, 41% disapprove. It's not just like they're, they're not happy with them. They absolutely disapprove of the guy. This has got to be sending a shockwave through the Democrats. This is also probably why Joe Biden today said that uh, Gavin Newsom can have whatever job I'm going for right now. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's what they're going to do. Because the other poll in Fox News, brand new poll, shows Donald Trump whoops every Democrat head to head. Every single one. Trump, 41 percent, Biden, 35, Kennedy, 15, West, 3 percent, and Stein, 3 percent. So even if you give West and Stein's numbers to Joe, he still can't beat Trump. It's bad news for them. All right, we've got a lot to do in the next 24 hours, 21 hours, 20 hours, whatever it is. I'm going to be back here tomorrow for Zioli. We'll kick off the weekend. You should be here too. Henry, thank you. Excellent job today. We'll get it done tomorrow. Till next time, Opelka reminding you, testudo, my friends, testudo. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 